Uh, for the record, I really liked Evolution, but I do have a lot of funny things to say about it. So. All right, save it for the show. I will. It's like when I jerk off, save it for the internet. Should I just be like the devil's advocate in the whole thing and just say I hated it? Even though I really... Evolution or me jerking off on the internet? No, I can't hate that. I can hate evolution, but I can't... Which one? you got to use some pronouns, Jeff. We're really... we we got to fucking know what you're talking about here. I hate that you're not jerking off in the same room as me. Okay. Um, That you know of. Turn around, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Boo! Here's my dick. Theme song! Ladies and gentlemen, we are Tonight, we are going to witness the most anticipated match in the history of professional wrestling. And this is the main event of the Jason is here. Dude, I, I swear to God, I'm not as big an asshole as it sounds like. Troy is here. Hey, I call them like I see them, all right? And Jeff is... Who the hell is Jeff? Um, well, I'm so glad I get to talk about Cox. I'm really happy. Dicks. Yay. Well, look at it this way. The first thing we've done together as a team. So I grab my dick, you grab your dick. You work my arm, I work your arm. Same time. Same time. It's like jerking off together, but not gay. We're not touching dicks. Each other's dicks anyway. I'm touching my own dick. You're working it, and I'm loving it. Well, enough is enough, and it's time for the rundown. Welcome to your main event of the wrestling weekend. It is the Intentionally Offensive Wrestling Podcast, the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Jason, the stick that gets the clicks, and I am joined this week by a man who is broadcasting live. From a young girl's bedroom. Sal is in the house. Sal, how you doing? Good. How are you? I'm Nobody doing... get confused. That young girl's my daughter. That doesn't necessarily make it sound any better given with that context. Also joining us this week on the show is Jeff. Jeff, what's going on, pal? Not much. What's going on with you? <laughs> and there Best you have it. intro ever. Nope. <laughs> Best intro in the business. Hands fucking down. Anyway, we have a lot to cover on this week's edition of The Rundown. We have Blood Money in the Sand. We're going to give our predictions for that. Not that any of us are actually planning on watching that abomination. Uh, But we are going to go through our normal perfect 10, as always. But leading off the show this week, we are going to discuss the Evolution pay-per-view that occurred this past Sunday night. Um, We're going to get into our overall thoughts later. For my money, this was one of the best pay-per-views of the year, and there's a lot of insulin secondary stuff that we're going to get into later on. But let's start with the match recaps and rundowns. Uh, originally scheduled for this was an NXT UK Women's Championship match featuring Rhea Ripley versus Isla Dawn. Uh, Rhea did, did appear on the show in a dark match. She took on Dakota Kai, not Isla Dawn, so that was incorrect. Uh, and in a shocking turn of events, uh Rhea Ripley defended the title that she hasn't actually won on TV against an opponent that isn't on the UK brand in a match that wasn't advertised. Uh, so what would you guys think of this? I uh, didn't see it because it was dark. So. And Jeff? Uh, yep. I like Dakota Kai. She's cool. 
Okay, cool. So that happened. Then we kicked off the show proper with sort of a surprising opener. I didn't necessarily expect this to be the opener of the show, but Trish Stratus and Lita took on the team of Mickey James and Alicia Fox. Of course, earlier in the week, Alexa Bliss ruled out due to concussion symptoms. She did make her way to the ring. Uh, lots of interesting stuff happened in here. Uh, including uh, Alicia completely missing a spot where she was supposed to come out and break up a pinfall, so the referee just stopped it too for no fucking apparent reason. Because she's just the best. Alicia Fox just sucks. Um, but we got to the first. But now, I thought the ovation for Trish and Lita was fantastic. It's certainly the best one I've heard since their return. Um, Alexa Bliss, uh, Mickey James, and Alicia Fox dressing up as Alice in Wonderland characters. I think one was the Queen of Hearts, one was the, uh, what was it, Mad Hatter, and what was Alicia, not Alicia, Alexa was uh, something. I forget, but it was hot, whatever it was. Um, but yeah, so I, I thought this match was was very entertaining. Uh, there were definitely some moments where you're like, yeah, uh, Lita and Trish doing the Hardy Boys move there, where Trish got oh, oh, down on all fours, and Lita didn't, it, that, wasn't exactly the smoothest move I've ever seen. It just looked like she just got tripped. Uh, but <laughs> there were some really cool spots. The energy when Mickey and Trish got into the ring together was outstanding. The crowd was really hot for that. Um, uh, the other spot that really stood out to me was the fact that Lita had a pretty good moonsault. I had a little bit of concern when she got up there after the Royal Rumble, but uh, she did an amazing job, I thought. And, and realistically, this uh, while this wasn't certainly the best match on the card, I think it exceeded my expectations. What did you guys think? Go ahead, Sal. So first, I do want to say I appreciated how they opened this pay-per-view. You had Nita Strauss in the middle of the ring on guitar. You had... Um, Lizzie Hale as the lead singer there of that little uh, band. Uh, And I liked the song. (laughs) It was good. No, but uh, you don't usually typically see that, so I thought that was a good kind of different maker thing to do. Um, Yeah, there was a a couple times where you just could see that Lita and Trish were uh, a few steps slower. Mm -hmm. Like you said, particularly that uh, poetry motion attempt. Yeah. I really liked the match. I really liked the crowd's energy. I hated how Mickey sold the kick at the end, the chick kick. She oh, that's how Mickey sells all those times. fell back, and I was just like, oh, God, it looks almost comical. You know what I mean? No, that's how Mickey. That, that's Mickey's big sell. She does that for everything. Ugh, all right. I mean, it was fine. Like you said, it was good. Um, but, yeah, credit to Mickey James because she probably had to carry a lot of that match. I mean, you yeah, got Alicia Fox as your partner, which is already a detriment. Yeah, I was going to say, you said uh, Trish and Lita would look a step behind. That's okay, because Alicia Fox was there to look miles behind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, the match was fine. I appreciate that this is the opener as well. It was it was good. It was a, a good match. Um, Trish and Lita did look like they had a bit of ring rust, but I, I think it worked. The, the, I think the crowd was pretty electric all night, and it, it started off well with these two legends coming out and the crowd really went nuts for him and um i mean i i'm pretty sure the well i am definitely sure the right team went over and uh you know it was it was nice to see trish and lita you know kind of have their hands raised in the ring again and jeff before i forget and jason not to interrupt you uh one thing i do appreciate like you mentioned the crowd was pretty good all night and if you listened you could hear a lot of the crowd did seem to be 
um, you know, families, kids with their parents, which was a great, like, high energy. Good that Long Island was able to to get behind this event because Lord knows if they were like a crowd in like, you know, somewhere out in Missouri and they sat on their hands, this event would have sucked. But it was nice to hear the crowd involved the whole night. Yeah, tip of the hat to the Long Island crowd because this the crowd absolutely made this show. I mean, I thought um, they they brought the energy from match one straight through. Everything made everything seem like a big deal. Everything felt like it was important. Um, I thought they were fantastic. I thought they were a big part of the success and the feel and and how great this pay per view came across. Um, if you couldn't tell, I was a big fan of this event, and we'll get into more on that later. Um, I know before we get into the next match, because you sort of some you guys sort of touched on some of this um, in that discussion, but I know Adam on our host thread had had mentioned that you know fuck the women because we don't we didn't bring the whole production set up and it's you know the steel barricades and all that stuff. And originally, I sort of had that similar impression. Now, first off, to be fair, usually when they do these Sunday night pay per views. Uh, Raw is in the same town the next day, so the move is easy. In this case, because they had to shuffle things to make this happen, obviously this was in Long Island. I believe Raw was in South Carolina, so having that set necessarily available to transport quickly may not have been an option. That may have been a part of it. Um, but this, to me, had part of what made this great was sort of like the, the dimming out of the crowd and the fact that we weren't deluged with fucking crown jewel ads on the screen during the match and fucking just lighting effects overloading you. And to me, it was it felt like the way the production was set up forced you to focus on the in-ring stuff and what was going on and the product and the story. And you were invested in that. You weren't distracted by anything else. And I thought that really added to the overall enjoyment of the show. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, whether it was done by design or convenience, it had a different feel than most of their other pay-per-views. And like you said, you had that dimming of the lights, and everybody's focus was on the ring. It wasn't focused on a sign in the crowd. It wasn't focused on some stupid ad that they had going around, you know, the ring skirt. But I definitely uh, – I appreciate that it looked different than all the other pay-per-views. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it felt sort of like a UFC kind of setup. Um to me that was the thing that instantly popped in my mind and sort of made me wonder if when uh when smackdown moves to fox if this is the type of setup fox is going to want to see yeah no definitely that that's that's a really good point because uh it, it looked very uh mainstream like the, i i really liked the setup actually i i didn't mind the steel barriers whatsoever i think it looked nice i, I thought it was a really really well done setup So we moved on from Trish and Lita to the Battle Royal. Now, at the time, I, I don't have the full entry list in front of me. At the time, we knew Tamina Snuka, Billy Kay, Peyton Royce, Ember Moon, Alicia Fox, Nia Jax, Dana Brooke, Asuka, Mandy Rose, Sonya Deville, Carmella, Lana, Naomi, Tori Wilson, Michelle McCool, Medusa, Molly Holly, Ivory, Kelly Kelly, Maria Canales, Zelina Vega. I believe that might actually be the whole list. I'm not positive. I might have missed somebody here or there. Um, but in any event, this was another one where I was like, okay, we're just throwing all these fucking women who we've got nothing to do with on the show, and we're going to throw them in this match. And But to me, this Battle Royal was booked really fucking well. I think everybody got a chance, a little bit of shine. Uh, I mean, the Iconics, they did not get the, the big long run in the Battle Royal, but they got, to me, a bigger spot because they got a microphone, they got to have 
all attention on them for a good minute and a half, two minutes, while they went to the ring and cut their promo and sort of got their characters over. So I didn't mind that. I thought um, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville had a great run in this thing that they usually don't get on TV. I thought we told stories with characters. We we had the, the spots of the classic characters. I thought the Ivory and Carmella dance break was great. I really enjoyed that spot. Um, Maria Canales' booty was on full display, and that was fantastic. Oh, uh, so good. <laughs> Selena Vega did her spot at the end, which I thought was really entertaining and funny. Um, honestly, I really didn't have – I think Alicia Fox wasn't in. I mentioned her, but I think she got taken out of it to do this. Um I thought, I thought Ember looked fantastic in this thing, and I think the crowd really responded to her. And if anything, if I had any issue with this, that is what it is. Because, again, and I talk about this all the time, they had a chance to do something new, to take a chance on one of these ladies and push them in a spot they haven't been pushed before. And I picked Ember, and maybe that's my personal bias because I wanted her to win. I thought she should win, um, and I predicted her to win. But when we got down to the Final Four and you heard that crowd reaction and, and you said, this is a moment where we can take Ember, who hasn't been established on the main roster, and make her something big and give her some, some push. And instead, all we did was go back to the fucking Nia Jax. Well, we're going to go back to Nia Jax and Ronda Rousey. Instead of doing something exciting and new, we're just going back to shit we've already done. And that's probably my biggest complaint with the main roster anyway. Yeah, um... I, I, this is where I, I tuned into the live version of this. I, I started with at the very beginning of this match. Um, and I, I thought this was, I, like you did, I thought it was going to be kind of a clusterfuck like a lot of battle rows really are. But it, I was very pleasantly surprised. I, I was really happy with how Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville, you know, they, they eliminated a bunch of people, like much to the crowd's dismay, got some heat. And then, uh, was it Deville eliminated Rose? No, Mandy uh, turned Sonya. Oh, sorry. Yeah, the sorry. answer is always Mandy Rose, fucking Jeff. Come on. All right, all right. <laughs> she was in there, right? <laughs> um, no, I, wish I was uh, in there. Oh, I know. <laughs> um, I think I think if you were in there and your dick fell off afterward, you'd still be happy. I'd be okay with it. <laughs> um, I think everybody got because it's gonna, it's, it's all downhill from there anyway. So exactly. <laughs> Um, I think everybody got a little bit of shine. Uh, it was nice. Um, Asuka even got some shine, but she was eliminated by Moon, which maybe shows either how far Asuka has fallen or the fact that they might sh- push Moon up a little bit. Um, but even though she didn't win. Um, I don't know if you guys noticed, but Alunger Blaze at one point did that double clothesline on uh, Naomi and someone else. I don't remember who the other person was, but she did that double clothesline, and she destroyed Naomi like yeah. with that clothesline she clipped her right in the mouth with it and just leveled her and then she got eliminated but it's besides the point yeah, um, well uh, Naomi's a tough girl so she can take it that's true well if she hit her in the ass it would be nothing but <laughs> uh, it would be an offensive no, I, maneuver yeah I, I mean I look I would prefer Moon to have won here too but I actually don't mind Nia Jax winning and going against Rousey again only because when they had their match the first time, it wasn't like a like a, a solid conclusion. It was, you know, Alexa what? Bliss getting involved. And, it wasn't uh, exactly I don't a solid match either. No, it wasn't. It was just Nia Jax throwing Ronda Rousey around pretty much. That was it. And then, but no, I just, I don't mind it as much, her winning. If it was like something that was already finalized and like they had their feud and 
this person won and you know it, it, at least you're going back to a feud that didn't have a, a, a you know definite ending all right i got a few points to bring up about this battle royal i think you guys will appreciate this so first of all billy k <laughs> comes out there and she says about the long island fans you guys sound weird I would get right. that looked at, which I thought was hilarious. I fucking popped for that. Um, I, I I enjoyed the whole promo. I also enjoyed after Billy Kay and Peyton Royce were eliminated, the current talent surrounded the legend talent, and they kind of right. like put us like put them you know put a circle around them. I thought that was kind of smart. This whole thing was booked really well. Uh, like D- Jason mentioned, the dance break was fucking hilarious with Ivory. Um, even and Ivory, I thought was uh was really put over in this thing. She was like to the point where you almost wonder if she's going to do some sort of a program with them because they went to such great lengths to put her over in this thing. She, I, I mean, she's a ball of personality anyway. That whole uh you know character she played in the uh, right to censor was not typically like how she is you know in real life. She's a very fun person from everything yeah. I heard. Very funny. Um, Kelly Kelly, did she forget to bring ring gear to this? Because she looked like she stole her ring gear right out of Mandy Rose's bag. That gold, <laughs> everything, and just maybe it was a little bit of jealousy. I don't know. Also, I want to. I'm okay with Zelina it. Vega. I want to put over Zelina Vega because her facial expressions when Nia came back into the ring were fucking yep. money. Yep. yep. And I agree with you guys. I'm, Ember to me. This is what I put down on my notes. She looked like a star. The crowd is reacting to her like they used to react to Sasha. Or Bailey. And that's what scares me, is that they're not going to do anything with her. But, I mean, she she was made to look pretty good. I think she probably should have won, but I get it. It's whatever. You, they don't, you don't want to do Ember versus uh, Ronda. But, you know, Ember looked really good. Why don't we want to do Ember versus Ronda? Because then Ember has to lose. So Becky's gonna lose. Yeah, I have. We'll, we'll get to that. Well, I have an issue with that too, but we'll get to that. <laughs> I, I mean, you can lose and still look strong. I mean, it's not necessarily. It's not like it's a death penalty. Ember for Ember, the the point of being in the ring and being associated with Rousey and being in that title picture is gonna do her more good than than anybody else. Um, and then the most insulting part to me, and it's not on our perfect 10, is that after that reaction, the response was then to put her on Raw jobbing out to Nia Jax. No, no, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Cause I, By the way, I, 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 I also want – go ahead, go ahead. I just want to say I pur- purposely going to <clears throat> express how I felt during this pay-per-view while I was watching it, and I will save what I felt how they handled aftermath of it on Raw and SmackDown for after we finish the coverage, because I don't want it to ruin it. I also wanted to say they put a, a lot of uh, shine on Tamina, which was kind of surprising to me as well, being that she hasn't been used really much at all up to this point um, since her return. Um, and also, um, at the at, during their entrances, you saw a lot of their mixed match challenge partners in the crowd. Yeah. Um, do you think, you think you'll see that at uh, Crown Jewel, right? Probably not. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, they might be, but they'll be forced to wear burkas and be covered head to toe, so you won't know it's them anyway. Um, or they might be, and there will be a still picture of Saudi Arabia in the background behind them, and they'll use a green screen like they were going to do during the AJ Styles-Daniel Bryan match. More on that later. Um, yes. uh, I, I thought I thought there was going to just be a big chair with a bunch of rocks on it. Like <laughs> were, 
they were just be like, oh yeah, this is uh, where Sasha used to be. Oh Jesus! Um, the one thing I the, uh, I, I did enjoy that I didn't mention earlier was the you touched on Tamina in this spot, the Tamina and Nia Jack spot where they sort of paid homage to Roman Reigns with the hoo ah. I thought it was great too. That was nice. Nice little yeah. touch there for the two of them. Uh, all right, so enough about the Battle Royal. Our next contest was the May Young Classic Final between Io Shirai and Tony Storm. And this was sort of a bummer that Troy's not here to talk about as he's been covering the May Young Classic on our Patreon. And if you haven't gone and checked those out, I encourage you to do so. It's some quality listening. Tony Storm gets the victory here, as predicted by myself and Jeff. Troy, of course, thought Io Shirai would win. And Adam, for some reason, picked Tegan Knox. I don't know that he's been keeping up on what's been going on. Uh, mm-hmm. But in any event, Tony Storm, I I liked this match. I had no issues with this match. My only, my only criticism with this match is that they didn't get enough time. Uh, I really? Think, I think they were a victim of the fact that the creative knew not everyone had watched the Mae Young Classic, and you could sort of hear that in the crowd reaction. There was true. Uh, yeah, there was a they kind of didn't know who they were. Yeah, there yeah. was a percentage of people who did, but it was largely more sort of indifferent to both of them. They didn't really know the characters. Uh, they did slowly win them over by the end of the match, obviously. Um, but I felt like there was a lot more they could have told in this. And if you go through the Mae Young Classic this year, this was probably the fifth, fifth, sixth best match. Uh, and that shouldn't be the case. And I think given another five minutes, they wouldn't have been as rushed in the finish. And I think they could have told a much better story and had a much better match. Again, no shade on either of them. This match was tremendous. I just thought it could have been more than it was. Right. And and I hear where you're coming from with that, but I didn't feel it while I was watching it. I felt like this was just a fantastic match. Uh, and I, for one, appreciated when... Um, she kicked out of the Storm Zero the first time. I know a lot of people are like, oh, here we go, kicking out of finishers again. But no, I like that. You know, I mean, it kind of built some drama into the match, and that's, I think, when the crowd really started getting into it. Uh, everybody is correct on Tony Storm. She is a fucking star. Yeah. Whether, whether I she called goes, this last year. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Whether she goes to NXT for a while and she ends up being the centerpiece there, <clears throat> or she ends up on Raw in two weeks. It doesn't matter. This girl's going to be a star wherever she goes. 22 years old. Yep. And and here's the thing. I, as much as I understand they want to get over this UK brand, I hope they do not leave her there. I hope they bring her to the States and make her a focal point of one of their major brands. Yeah. I mean, that's where she has been starting, at least for their first set of tapings, but that might not last. Like Just yeah, like Drew I- McIntyre, they're not going to be there for that long. True. Um, I I did enjoy this match. I'm actually gonna agree with Jason on this. I I thought it was a little bit little bit too fast. Like like he said, if if I had a little bit more time, I thought it would have it would have had more impact. Uh, the finish would have had more impact at least. But I think there was maybe only like two two minutes between the first Storm Zero and the second Storm Zero. It was a very quick, you know, finish. But um. I thought when Shirai had the the moon south of the outside, which was beautiful, um, that was great. Um, I, I really, really, really enjoyed this match, um, and I think the right person went over in Storm. Like everybody's been saying, she is a star. Um, and I, I wasn't the Storm Zero something totally different last year. Yeah, yeah. I actually have in my notes Storm Zero two point oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, it's just basically a, a tiger bomb, but that's fine. Um, it, it looks good, um, and 
The only thing, the other thing I did not like uh, was, I mean, unsurprisingly, I didn't care for Cole in this match, Michael Cole, because throughout the match, he was just hammering home the point that Storm um, was a star to come. And it, it really, I mean, it would, it would have been really surprising if Shirai had won. Yeah, but that, that's kind of oh, by design. I, I disagree. You know I think mean? he put over Shirai plenty in that match. Oh, yeah. I, but also, on that note, I, I want to say, I think Michael Cole, for anybody who watched the Mae Young Classic, um, will understand that I think Michael Cole did amazing on this night for Evolution. He wasn't interrupting Renee. Mm-hmm. He, he let Beth and Renee both talk at their pace. I thought he did a really good job for all the criticism I'll, he gets. I'll do you one better. I don't think this show comes off as well as it did without him, without Michael Cole there. Because... They don't have a female that can do play-by-play the way Michael Cole can do it in sort of direct traffic. And I know he got a lot of shit for for having a guy in the broadcast booth on this pay-per-view, but I think his presence made this show better. Yeah, I would have to agree with you on that. I do. I do. I agree with There's There's an argument to be had that Mara would have made it even better, but, you know. I I will say... (laughs) I, in the vein of Michael Cole, somebody, you would think, between the time the Mae Young Classic ended and Evolution started, somebody, including perhaps the, the actually trained wrestler in Beth Phoenix that's sitting next to him, would tell him there's a difference between a moonsault and an acai moonsault. No, at this point, just let him keep making the same mistakes. <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> so bla- All those years, the great Muda was doing that acai moonsault, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Anyway, that's... Oh, real quick, before yes. we continue, I, I'm i really getting sick of the McMahons. Like, they, Wait, what the fuck was Stephanie wearing? Why is she even there? What the fuck okay, did okay, she well, do no, 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 I'm sorry, because to me, this is what I'm going to say. I was actually very pleased that Stephanie was not a focal point of this show. She was out there to do the presentations for the Mae Young with Triple H. I have no issues with that. I full-on expected one of those Triple H-style openings to the show where Stephanie comes out and <laughs> this is the women's revelation. And we didn't get any of that. I Stephanie, know, that's true. Stephanie's that's true. only presence was in this ring where she didn't talk, had no microphone, and a little interview on the pre-show. I thought Stephanie showed great restraint, and the WWE showed great restraint, not having her centerpiece, center focus of this show and allowing the women on the show to be the focus. I, I give them credit for that. Well, much like TNA's women-only pay-per-views, this was one night only. Oh, I think after how good this came <laughs> off, this is going to be a, a yearly thing. I, it's got to be. No, I mean, as far as Stephanie not being the focal point. Oh, okay. Um, uh, no, I don't have a problem with her, her presence there. I, I just had a problem with what she was wearing. I, it was like a, it was like a <laughs> pants suspender suit. What the fuck? What was that? It was a little bit weird. Oh, God. Uh, all right. Anybody else have anything to, anything else on the Mae Young Classic final? All right, moving along. NXT Women's Championship match. Kyrie Sane walked in as champion, and both Jeff, Tro- uh, Jeff Troy and myself all predicted she would leave that way. Unfortunately for us, uh, Shayna Baszler walked out with the championship. Uh, as nobody predicted, uh, Adam predicted Holly Holm. I don't know if he got confused with former UFC <laughs> women. I have no idea. Um, but in any event, uh, Shayna Baszler is your new NXT champion and the first ever two-time NXT Women's Champion. Um, I, I've been—I guess I've been going first on all these. So let me allow you guys to get your words in first. Sal, what did you think of this match? All right, I liked the match. Um, actually, thought it was one of their better matches, especially better than last year's May Young Classic final. 
Um, I don't know if you guys noticed at one point, Kyrie Sane hits the sliding D elbow and Cole completely stutters before actually calling it the sliding D like two minutes later. <laughs> yeah, I think he was like, I think they call that move the sliding D. Yeah, but he was like, at first, he was like, it's a what? Uh, I, I don't know if I could say that on TV. <laughs> um, Shayna gave Kyrie the Pentagon armbreaker, which I thought was awesome. She did it just like he did it, or he does it over in Lucha Underground. Mm-hmm. Um, and me personally, I've actually heard some criticism about this on Twitter, but I love the fact that they took Jessamine Duke and um, uh, Marina Shafir, Marina Shafir, and and put her with Shayna. I think you Marina have Marina Shafira. Shaffer. Shaffer. I think you have like almost like a new NXT triple threat. Like, you know, like, um, I think it's great. Shane has backup. It just makes her more dangerous. All right, Jeff. Yeah, I, I enjoy this match quite a bit. Um, Baszler's always great at, at targeting limbs and she continued to do so in this match. Uh, that I, I gotta say, uh, you know, that little 90 pound, uh, pirate hooker delivering the spear usually doesn't look so good but this match it looked it looked really brutal like she actually nailed her with that right in the midsection i feel like that would drop anybody um the uh she had the hammer lock over the top like over the rope where she picked her up that was brutal um and i thought uh if baszler was gonna win it would be by shenanigans and i did not expect this at all it was a total swerve, and I thought it was really well done with Jessamyn Duke and Marina Shafir getting involved. Um, Sane still stayed strong by, you know, fighting them off and hanging in there with the, with uh, what do they call her finisher again? Uh, the Carafuda clutch. The Car- Carafuda yeah, that's clutch. It. The Carafuda clutch. She hung in there for a very long time before. Not she to be out. confused with the out. Coquina clutch because those moves are completely different. Right. Totally different. Um. <laughs> But yeah, no, I, I thought it, it, she stayed very strong even though she lost. Um, and I was very, very happy with this match. I have to say, I was, I, I got the goosebumps after they started getting involved, and because you didn't see who um, Shayna Baszler got thrown into at first, unless she just got thrown into the crowd, and I was like, oh wow, that's kind of surprising. And then when it was Jasmine Duke and Shafir, I was like, oh, that's cool. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I felt like this was their best match um, of the series that they've had. Um, my one thing, if I was to be somewhat critical, was I felt like the match was sort of a disservice was done to the match by Cole and Phoenix and Renee, who clearly weren't as familiar with the NXT product, um, both in calling moves and in the history of this story. Um for example, when just an easy one, when the Carafuda clutch was on and Kyrie rolled over, it took them a good like minute until someone got in their headset and said, "Hey, uh, that's how she won the title in the first place." Like knowing that right. ahead of time would have been beneficial. Um, things like knowing Marina Shafir's name and how to pronounce it would have been beneficial. Um, this was just, and it's not necessarily their fault entirely. Like somebody should have got to them and said, "Hey, this is an NXT match. You guys should." Uh, bone up on the series these guys these girls have had and get a little more familiar with them um when uh shana did her spot where she sort of tries to pretend he's gonna she's gonna break the arm by stomping on the elbow they oh well she's going after her hand and like no that's not what that move is going after and um so just little things like that and it's a small nitpick but it is something that i think did um 
have a negative impact on on the enjoyment of the match. Um, but overall, I think I thought the match was like I said, I thought it was the best working match these two have had together. Uh, Shayna came across as as a bigger star than I've seen her come across as on this night. Um, and I thought, like I think to Sal's point, the inclusion of Marina Shafir and Jessamyn Duke into this Shayna Baszler character, this badass character who now has dangerous women backing her up, I think is fantastic. I look forward to seeing where they go with it. Um, and we can, you know, people have been saying, oh, well, this is clearly means we're heading into four horsewomen versus four. I, I don't see it that way. Um, I think they've got to maybe in a year once they've established these girls down in NXT as a legit force or brought them up. But for now, I don't see that. Uh, yeah, I, just, I was going to say, I don't see that immediately in the near future at all. No, I just see this as a great pairing and a great grouping for these three and a way to get them over, and I'm, I'm a big fan of the idea. Yeah, I, I was actually going to bring that up. Um, when they do bring these three girls up from NXT, and like you said, I, I don't see this in the near future, do you see Ronda going heel? Ronda no, almost see- wrestles like a heel already, and we'll get into some of that in a little bit. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's an interesting question. See, I see her feuding with them when they first come up, if they come up as a trio, and and they're being like, kind of like the uh, the WWE version of the NWO was trying to recruit Triple H. I can kind of see Shayna and and the and um the other horsewoman being like, yeah, come on, Ronda, like you know, run with us, and her being like, no, I'm I'm here to do the right thing or something like that. I don't yeah, I, I could see that, too. I, I don't know. It would just be weird because they made such a big deal about them being the four horsewomen, you know? Like, they're always hugging each other. It shows them hugging each other. Well, whatever. I, it, it's definitely something interesting to look forward to in the future. Yeah, and that, that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out post, uh, post-evolution. And, of course, um, the NXT stuff has already been taped going into War Games, so the only involvement we're going to see with Shafir and Duke at this point, going into that pay-per-view is going to be in pre- pre-tapes and backstage stuff and maybe the, some of those performance center videos or something like that. Uh, but it will be interesting. Of course, we don't yet know who Shayna Baszler is going to be defending the title against at War Games because NXT does that well. They did nothing at the tapings that would have given away this result, so I think hats off to them for that. Well, uh, what? I don't know if you did catch the very quick backstage segment they did on NXT this week. Uh, and they made it look like, you know, post-match at Evolution, where Kyrie Sane showed up backstage when yep. they were interviewing. Um, that kind of seems like Sane would get the next shot. You know what I mean? Right. I said they did nothing at the tapings that gave it away. Oh, okay. like beforehand. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we'll see where we'll see where it goes. I. I guess they can do a rematch. I think this is like the third third installment of this program. I'd sort of like to see them do something else, but I guess we'll we'll see what happens. Um, that brings us to our next match. The team of the Riot Squad took on the team of Boss Hugs and Pussy Farts. Uh, that, of course, being <laughs> Sasha Banks, Bailey, and Natalia. Um, I had no expectations for this match. I didn't see this match as being important or special or in any way interesting. Um, I was not a fan going into it that this was how they booked the show, uh, booked any of these women. Uh, But I'm going to say I enjoyed this match a shit ton more than I thought I was going to. Um, I thought it was mapped out well. I thought it was produced well. I thought the spots were good. 
uh, save for Natalia with the double fucking sharpshooter because that thing looks like oh, fucking hot garbage. God. Um, but every, everybody, I mean, our, our fucking one person sharpshooter does. Everybody got a <laughs> chance to shine. I thought everybody had a moment to look good in this thing. And then Liv Morgan to me really is showing improvement every time I see her. I, I was very impressed with what she did in the ring at Evolution. All things considered, this match to me was a big win and I did not expect it to be. Okay. So yeah, I'm I really, just want to say I'm really confused about Liv Morgan because she came up after Carmella, but I feel like she's leaps and bounds ahead of her as far as in ring goes. Do you well, know what I mean? In mind, keep in mind, Carmella was largely a valet at NXT. Uh, I don't know because Edge, I mean Enzo and um, Big Cass got called up and she was left down there to be a singles for a good six months. But she wasn't doing a ton down there. No, no. But I, I just think like you Alexa said, wrestled occasionally down there too, but she was not a right. focus. But I, I do give credit to Liv because Liv does look a lot better than when she started. Um, actually, to be honest, the whole Riot Squad came off looking great. Uh, yeah, there was exactly. one spot where they took Sasha and pretty much triple power bombed her into the barricade. That was fucking nuts. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I didn't like was when Bailey covered up Sasha when uh, yeah. I think it was uh, Ruby went for a senton because it was like no, she, now now just double the weight's gonna land on Sasha. Well, and it's also didn't fit to any of the stories they've been currently telling. Like if they were still doing the tension between them as friends, and maybe then you could understand. Okay, well, Bailey sacrificed herself first. Like, but that that made no sense. Why wouldn't Bailey just fucking knock Ruby off the top rope? Right. <laughs> I'm like, the Bailey looks like a fucking moron, which kind of was reflected in her reaction when she got an, uh, when she got her entrance because it was a lot muted than it would have been two years ago. Yeah, well, Bailey with the uh, the tribute to the homage to Sensational Sherry with the makeup too. That was a nice touch. I like that. Um, I also like the Riot Squad's uh, the gear where they was it Leatherface, uh, Leatherface, Jigsaw, uh, and Pennywise. Jigsaw and Pennywise. Yes, very nicely done. The gear was on point. I don't know if you've I don't know if you've heard, but they're the most they're they're the most united group in in the WWE. They, they they really fucking put that over. I mean, they were hammering you over the head like this group. This is the most united group in the WWE. Like, okay, well, that's we... kind of why I made the triple power bomb, though, because literally they're they're building or promoting them like the Shield. I don't know yeah. if they are. <laughs> well, that'd be good if it actually got them wins. True. Yeah, we'll True. <laughs> Jeff, your um, thoughts. No. I, I also enjoyed this match quite a bit. I went into it with very little expectations because, you know, this is the never-ending feud. Right. It fucking has been going... It feels like it's been going on for two years now. Um, I, I would really just prefer this to move on, and they just kind of threw pussy farts in there. Yeah, so um, to that point, and, and not to interrupt you, but all of these girls in this match are in their mid-20s, except for Natalia, who's 36. But you did interrupt me, so now what? <laughs> <laughs> now you can continue. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, no, th- there was actually one point. Wasn't there one point where was it? Liv Morgan pushed Sasha into Bailey to break up a pin. I uh, believe so. Yes. Yeah. Why? That's like uh, that's like going back to their like. You, I thought maybe like oh well maybe Bailey will be like hey what the hell Sasha why'd you do that and they just didn't go back to it. Like, there was no need for that. Like, why would... And, and Sasha was almost further away from Bailey when they did that. It was just a little bit silly. I, I, there was no need for that. And like you said, when 
when Bailey covered over Sasha to sacrifice herself or whatever the fuck it was, Cole brought up the fact that they had had differences in the past. Yeah, like seven like, years ago. Just let it go. Just like, just let it let it go at this point. Like, it's well past the point where this feud is going to ever work. And I, I don't know. The double sharpshooter was garbage. First of all, I, I agree with that. <laughs> Never, ever, ever should that be a thing when you can't even do it right. Um, it was more like a Boston crab almost. It was. Yeah. It was. Yeah. It was not good. Um, but I, I did. Um, I did appreciate the ending with all of them kind of, you know, Bailey doing the elbow and Sasha doing the frog splash. Uh, I, I, I almost, I would have preferred the Riot Squad to kind of go over on Natalia, um, because she doesn't need the witch. Was it weird how Cole kept saying that Ruby Riot's going to be a future, a future women's champion? Like he kept hammering that home throughout the match, but yet she, you have her group lose. That's two interruptions, Sal. You're on fucking thin rope right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. No, I, I yeah, I, I, it's weird. I, I think like thin that rope, was aka Jeff Stick. <laughs> you know, I, I, how do you? How do you, I sent you enough pictures where you could put an accurate description on that? I guess that's fair. Um, but I, I, I think the riot squad. The riot. Wow. Let's Wyatt Squad. The Wyatt. Go. The Wyatt Squad. That's uh, so we can call Bray Wyatt and whoever he's tagged with him now. On. Um, that's why Troy calls him the Riot Family. Yes, the Riot Family. I forgot about that. Oh well, it's too bad Troy can't be here. <laughs> <laughs> um, they sh- they have improved leaps and bounds, and I think they look great. And it really should start translating into some wins because it's getting it's getting ridiculous that every week they're going against the same people, and every week they're getting beaten. Why do I care to watch that match anymore? No one's gonna answer that. Were you asking that as a question for us? Or? I didn't want to interrupt. <laughs> well, I, you wouldn't. I, I finished. I asked a question. <laughs> uh, no, you have. You bring up a fair point because, um, look, they they've done it to death. Um, and this is kind of my argument for post evolution is. I enjoyed a lot of what went on in the show. What I saw on Monday and Tuesday shows me that they have no intention of doing anything with that momentum. The revival of the fucking women's division. (laughs) There. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I think that's going to put a bow on that match. Um, That's going to bring us to the SmackDown women's championship match. The last woman standing match, the champion Becky Lynch, successfully defending her title as predicted by Troy and Jeff. I had said they would make the mistake of putting the title back on Charlotte Flair, and there were a couple of moments where I thought that was going to be the case. Uh, Adam picked AJ Lee, and she wasn't on the show. Uh, (laughs) Jeff, what did you think of this last woman standing match? I thought it was phenomenal. I mean, it was brutal. Um, it w- it told the story well. I almost thought there was going to be a bit of a double turn in there because there was one point where Flair was just looked. She looked like she was going to tear her Becky's hand. Uh, not to mention the crowd was fully behind Becky anyway. But um, there were so many spots in this that were just like you. The only spot that I, I didn't uh, agree with was the whole putting trying to put the figure eight through the ladder because it, she had a really hard time with it. It looked complicated. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, well, you could tell she tried to put it on the first time, 
and then just kind of stopped for a second and stomped on the ladder instead. And I was like, how the fuck do I do this again? But, but once she got it, I thought the visual was great. Sure, sure. But I, I just, you know, trying to put it on the first time and it kind of looked, it was a little awkward because you could tell she, what she was trying to do. And you could tell she was just like, I, I can't figure out how to do this. I got to take a break. But it's fine. I, it's a very, very, very like nitpick thing um, because everything else was just amazing. Um, the Charlotte Flair getting up uh, after Becky Lynch took a a, a page out of um, oh my God, what's uh, Champa's book and buried literally buried Charlotte Flair and all the chairs and stuff. She was she was she actually up or was she just on one one knee? One knee. Oh, she was on up? one knee. Yeah. She okay. Was on, so so she was on. So this is one of my things I was going to get to later. So you, since you brought it up, uh, she was on one knee after the chair spot, and they said she was up. Mm-hmm. Later on, after the table spot, she got to her knees, and they still counted her as down. I'm pretty no, sure she, she got to her she feet. Was on, she got. Up, she was on both feet, but her hand was still down. Yeah, I don't think so. I'm pretty sure she was not standing up. Put it that way. No, but she was on her feet, flat on the ground, and they were like eight, nine, ten. Oh no, no, she lost. Yeah, because then she fell over. No, I was talking about earlier after the chair spot. She was not on her feet there, and they stopped. Oh, no, no, not at yeah, all. No, not, not at all. She was on one one foot and on her knee. Yeah. When it, but like at nine, and then yeah. at the end of the match, it was like she was on her, like she was kind of almost in like a like a bear position where her. Two feet were up, and her hand was on the ground. And they were like, yeah, she's not up. It was yeah. just weird. But everything else is great. That The powerbomb through the, the, the table at the end was just the icing on the cake. The, it was it was a, just an amazing match. It, it was by far the most brutal. And uh, it was... <clears throat> I have no words for how great this was. Yeah, it was not uh, Mike Kyoto's finest moment. Uh, I will say that. Sure. Um... Okay, I gotta tell you guys this. I didn't know that this match was being brought to you by ECW. Holy yeah. fucking shit. That spot where they were tossing chairs in the ring, I was kinda hoping that the fans didn't start having flashbacks and start tossing chairs in the ring too. Like PTSD. Like, they, like oh, I gotta do that. Right? Um, there was a spot where I think. It was Becky. Yeah, Becky hits a, like almost a rock bottom onto the chairs on Charlotte. Oh, man, that looked vicious. Uh, Becky with the leg drop off the ladder through the table looked vicious. There was another spot, too. I think it was Charlotte. And she didn't do the moonsault. She did something, and it didn't break the table. Yeah. And then Mike, and then Michael Cole tried to explain that to us, and I was like, no, just stop. Just let it go. Yeah, well, then that. Uh, yeah, it was, it was supposed to be the moonsault. It didn't break the table, and then they went back a couple minutes later, and she did like sort of a senton to put her through the table. So they did get to the broken table spot. Mm. Um, yeah, to me, this this match was not only match of the night. Uh, this has been. I, I can make a case for this as the best pay per view match WWE's put on this year. Um, and it was a weapons match, and obviously you sort of take down a grade for that because it's sort of a cheap pop in a way because, you know, especially with women, when there's that level of brutality, it's going to get over with the crowd just for that holy shit factor. Um, but it, it was more than that to me. It was a something we don't see very often. It was a match, like a last woman standing match is a brutal match, but 
the story they had told going into it fit the match stipulation. And and all too often we see these matches put together where it's a last man standing match that has no real story or build to it. It's just sort of there. These were two women who fucking hate each other. Fighting for a prize neither one of them wants to give up on. Like, this was the scenario where you do this kind of match. This was phenomenal. It was booked really well. The women worked their asses off. They took every chance they could take. I don't know if you guys saw some of the photos of Charlotte. She was fucking black. She was fucked up. Her fucking thigh was, like, just straight. It wasn't even black and blue. It was straight black. Like, like flesh-eating bacteria style. Like, it was fucking nasty. Um, She took a serious beating. Uh, Well, did you see Becky laying those fucking uh, Singapore cane shots in? Holy shit. Yeah, the... the, the referee miscues that we'd mentioned were really the only sort of blemish on this thing for me. Um, I loved the, the, the everything about this match, and I thought both women absolutely exceeded all expectations, and hats off to both of them. This was easily the best match of the night. To your point, can you do you guys see? I mean, I mean, I know you guys see it, but do they see what can be done when you tell a good story to get to this point? fucking yeah. night and day compared to what, they, what everything else they do well this yep. was trips this was a triple h show as far as i've i've been led to believe uh, to yeah. me it was yeah. a hell of a main event i thought it was a perfect perfect match to end the night this was an nxt I, show this should have been the main event yeah absolutely I, I'm oh you mean there was back. another match <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna have to go back and uh when they were in the, when becky lynch grabbed her title and went to the crowd i really am gonna have to go ahead and count how many chops that Charlotte Flair laid into Becky Lynch's tits. Oh. Like I thought, I thought Becky Lynch's tit was gonna fly off. It was fucking brutal. <laughs> you could see Becky Lynch like as she was getting chopped after like the seventh one. She was like, "Oh fuck!" She was literally just like, just swearing. I don't know if you guys picked that up, but she was blatantly swearing after she was getting chopped. <laughs> she did. She did swear. She was like, "Fuck!" Yeah. <laughs> And I love Becky Lynch's new thing where she's, I'm the man. I think that's fucking fantastic. Yeah, Um, right. Just outstanding. Uh, There's not a whole lot that needs to be said. One more thing, and I meant to mention this earlier, the the six-woman tag we were just talking about prior to this. I think my favorite part of this is Sasha's standing on the top rope, and Cole goes, she's going for the frog splash in tribute to... Like, how the fuck did you know what she was going to (laughs) do? She was just standing on the top rope. She hadn't even started the move yet. in my notes right here. Frog splash for the finish. Yeah, talk about fucking choreographed, uh, telegraphing the fucking finish, Cole. Way to go. Um, but yeah, that was the point I wanted to make in the last match, and I forgot. Uh, yeah, Becky and Charlotte, hands down, stole the show, no doubt about it. But there was not the last match on the card because the Raw Women's Championship was on the line as Nikki Bella, accompanied by Brie Bella, uh, took on Ronda Rousey, the defending champion, and not one of us thought that Ronda was going to lose to Nikki. Uh, apparently, Adam thought Ronda was going to lose to Brandy Rhodes, who's not even in the company anymore. Uh, but that's got to be Eden style. <laughs> <laughs> Brandy Rhodes. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so all right, let's let's do this. And I know some of you guys and some of our listeners and some of our other hosts are not huge fans of Nikki Bella, and that's fine. Um I've always oh, yeah. maintained that she she's much better than anyone really gives her credit for. I think she plays the the diva character 
really well in the heel character and the, the sort of snotty, stuck-up girl. And she's fantastic at that character work. Um, her her in-ring stuff is not nearly as bad as, for example, Breeze. I think Nikki work, has worked hard to become a much better in-ring performer. I thought this match was actually good. I think the problem it had was its positioning. I think if this was before Charlotte and Becky, you wouldn't have an issue with this. Um, because I thought the match itself was fine. I thought they told a good story. I thought they played the two-on-one advantage to get Nikki credibly getting heat on Ronda. Um, I thought Ronda was, was her dominant self. Though Ronda, the more you watch her, the more you realize she's wrestling like a heel. She's just talking shit the whole time, and she's sort yep. of a bully in there. And she, she really wrestles like a heel, but she's so fucking over it doesn't matter. Sort of like a Stone Cold style of, of performer. Um, but yeah, I, I honestly think Nikki did well here. I thought this match lived up to the expectations I had and probably exceeded the expectations I had of it going into it. At no point did I think Nikki was ever going to win the title, but I don't think anybody did. But I think they told a good story. They made it a personal rivalry, and they, they used that to make a credible, believable, entertaining match, and good on them. I agree. Um, I I uh, I will say that um, last week I had said, you know, when they had that big promo segment where Nikki was making digs at Ronda Rousey's mom, being ashamed of her and all that, uh, and I said Brie was just there. Um, and and Jason had said, you know, Bree's there to make it seem like Nikki has a legitimate chance. Boy, in this match, that I I have never felt more wrong in my life when what I said. Every time Bree got involved, I kind of felt a little bit smaller. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it was done well. Like the what do they call it? The the Bella. The, Bella the, the Bella, Yeah, whatever they call it. Yeah, Bellolution. Um, Army. Yeah, it was just, it was great. It was Brie getting involved multiple times to make it believable that Nikki just was able to seize control and, and put some, she put some holds on her and they were both talking shit back and forth. Um, it was good. And then uh, I think, I think uh, we have a new listener to the show and it's Ronda Rousey because the punches in the corner, I think are quite a bit better than when I said they were garbage. Because uh, she's just digging to the body, and it actually looks pretty legitimate now. At least this time it did. Because before, it was just awful. Um, but I, I was I was actually a little surprised uh, when Nikki hit the Alabama slam towards the end of the match and the rack attack. I thought maybe they would be like, hey, yeah, Nikki can win because uh, everybody, you know, Nikki's a huge star. And I, I actually thought for a second she might win, and then... When she got the two count, I was like, oh, yeah, never mind. But um, still don't care for the arm bar, the way she puts it on. Um, I, think, I think it's not an arm bar. But uh, other than that, I thought this was a well-done match. I had no expectations once again going into it. Well, not no expectations, but I had lower expectations than, you know, when it delivered well. It, it delivered well. I enjoyed it. Um, I'll go into the post-match after uh sal gives his input nikki bella the one bella twin that won't knock you out with a knee to the face (laughs) this match had was better than it had any right to be and that's the god honest fucking truth and nikki is obviously the more competent worker but for somebody who's been out of the ring really for three fucking years i thought she did her job well um I, or or did the job well? 
Yeah, that too. <laughs> um, I didn't care much for the let's in, let's let's make fun of Ronda Rousey's mother and get her name involved in this because I thought that was like. But you were fine with talking about Nikki's sexual history with John Cena. Yeah, because that's something that's out there on the Total Diva show. Ronda Rousey's mother has been front and center on a lot of interviews and UFC fights. and So you're going to say that she's not proud of her? Like, that just seems like so, like, low-hanging fruit. Like, I But need John her. Cena and Nikki Bella's relationship is not low-hanging fruit? No, it was funny! Because you dislike Nikki Bella. Well, yeah, that goes without saying. Okay, so this is because, the, I think, this, this not, nothing to do with the actual angle. This is based on your hatred of Nikki Bella. When have you ever seen anybody else bring someone's mother into it? Like, what are we, fucking ten years old here? How often does anybody? How often do you hear the men bring someone's sexual relationships into a into a fucking promo? Mm, okay, fine. I also will say, based on the two weeks that they had to actually build this match, I mean, there's not much else you can really. Yeah, exactly. You have to go first. for low handing fruit. There's well, not a whole lot of history fault. to build on. <laughs> so, sure. I didn't sure. tell them to fucking stop, you know, booking for this two weeks out, but that's what they decided to do. But <laughs> no, but I will give I will give Nikki credit. She. The only thing I didn't like, and this was 100% not Nikki's fault, I don't agree with whatever agent told them, hey, Ronda, get her set for the armbar 15 seconds into the match and let everybody in the crowd know that you could break it if you wanted to. Well, then fucking break it then. Like, you're in a ma- you're in a championship match. What is stopping you at that point? Yeah, she I did think it that twice. Goes, well, wait, that did, goes to didn't, uh, Jason's credit of saying, you know, uh, she works like a heel. Didn't, it's uh, silly. Didn't Rhonda say in that promo at the contract signing that she was it was personal and she was going to enjoy destroying her and take her time and like so that sort of plays into what she had said in her promos. Very heelish. Yes. <laughs> uh, Jeff apparently had some issues with the post match stuff. Jeff, what did you want to say about that? No, I, I there's nothing. I don't have an issue. Well, I guess I got an issue. Um, no, I, I, I thought it was a little bit, um, hokey at the end and this might be, um, you know, it, it seemed like they gave her a bit of the Hulk Hogan treatment, keeping her in the ring for quite a long time. And then, then we realized it was to just get all the women out at the top of the stage to get a big round of applause, all the enemy, all the heels, all the faces. And they're all just like, yay, us, yay, women. Like, just have a normal ending. Why not have a normal ending? I didn't have an issue with that. To me, that's sort of... I mean, we've seen it down in NXT with Sasha and Bayley when they had that uh, the Iron Woman match. Um, it's just... It was a monumental moment for women in that case where they were main eventing a pay-per-view for the first time. In this case, obviously, closing out an entire all-women's pay-per-view. It was, it, it was a special moment, and they, and they wanted to have that visual. It does, in fact, speak to why... Becky and Charlotte wasn't the main event because you can't really have that moment of the heel celebrating and walking up the ramp and into the sea of people. Like, so it made more sense in that regard. If you knew that was how they were going to close the show to have Ron to be the last one out there. Right. And I, I saw the one thing, I guess that the reason it bothered me is for whatever reason, my eyes went right to the riot squad. Right. And, um, they were, they were like, kind of like just sitting there with their arms crossed. And I was like, well, that's at least good because mm-hmm. they're maintaining that they're heels. And then all of a sudden they were like, thank you, everyone. And they all threw their hands up. And then, then the, the, the rise go was just like, yay. <laughs> they, like, they, I was just like, come on, just, just keep your arms crossed. It's cool. You're right front and center. 
at least maintained. I mean, maybe that's just being like, I don't know. I, I just would prefer if the heels just kept their arms, especially because they lost that night. It just reminded me of the end of like a Broadway play when all the actors come out and they're all like, yeah, thank you. <laughs> I don't know. No, you're not wrong. I mean, I, I, I understand why they did it. I didn't have a huge problem with it, but it was kind of like, uh, all right, yeah, I get it. Also, you didn't have the other women's champion featured. It almost felt like a celebration just for Ronda. And yeah. then off camera, they do uh, a gimmick with her and Becky going title for title for like the photo op. And I'm like, okay, but if you're going to set that up as your next feud, then why do it off camera? Why not have Becky kind of like push away the front line and like shove the title in Ronda's face and then have that be the visual as you go off the air. So it's still about like, you know, the competition. Yeah. So overall guys, uh, overall thoughts on evolution. I thought it was phenomenal. I thought it was, you know, I wanted to save it to the end, but I do agree with Jason. I think it was one of the best pay-per-views of the year, for sure. I really enjoyed it. I didn't have a ton of expectation going into it. No no fault, really, to the women. Just fault to how it was booked and and how they promoted it. Um, how it was booked going into it, I mean, because the booking on the show itself was fantastic. But it, I just I found myself thoroughly enjoying it, and it felt like it flew by. It didn't feel like it dragged at all, and I... I, I loved almost every match, which is a very rare for a WWE pay-per-view. I agree with you. I had no expectations, and I was very disappointed with how they promoted it. I was very disappointed with the storylines leading into it. But the talent on this show um, far exceeded any of my expectations, and I think a lot of people's. Every single person who worked this show, worked their fucking ass off, uh, looked good, looked crisp, looked believable, looked athletic. It was a real good showcase. And for me, I think that Charlotte-Becky title match kind of is what makes this pay-per-view. It's what makes it stand out amongst all the others from this year. Yeah, I, I, you know, honestly, I had no expectations going into it because of the build, like, like you mentioned, Sal. But it blew away every expectation I had. Uh, like, I, the aesthetics were great, the work was great, the storytelling within the matches was great. Um, it, it was a fucking home run, and it's to me right up there with All In as best pay per view I've seen this year. Now, just to quickly mention this do you think they dropped the ball with the follow-up on smackdown and raw absolutely and we'll get into some of that in a little bit but um let's let's discuss that a little bit more in depth when we talk about the goings-on in the week of professional wrestling in a show in a segment that shares a number with my penis we call it the perfect 10 a tan! A tan! A fucking tan! All right, leading We've downgraded off. the perfect two? Leading <laughs> The perfect six and a half. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, anyway, uh, we are leading off the perfect ten this week. Let's start slow and we'll build because Fuck the Revival goes to new levels because this week, folks, it wasn't enough for them to lose a title match. 
Wasn't enough of them to lose to the B team. Wasn't enough of them to lose to a thrown together tag team with no actual history. No, 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 no. We had to bring in fucking cruiserweights to beat the revival this week as the Lucha House Party debuted on Raw <laughs> only to defeat Dash and Dawson. And it was, I, I again, mea culpa, because it was a few weeks ago I was sitting on this show and I said, a few months ago I was sitting on this show and I said, it looks like we're fucking finally getting there. And they had that match with fucking, uh, was it um, McIntyre and Ziggler? And mm-hmm. they almost took the tag tiles and said, this is clearly the fucking program we're going to. Like, let's fucking go. Clearly the revival's about to become a th- No, I was way fucking wrong. Uh, this is as bad a burial as you can get. I'm sorry, this is fucking embarrassing. Yeah, as as much as I felt bad with the whole Brie Bella thing, when I had told you that I don't think that they're going to do anything with the revival after this, I, I, I just I just I knew it just because of how they've been booked in the past. Um, I wouldn't have cared if Lucha. Ha- I, I'm, I think it's great that they're bringing 205 uh, talent in. Um, you know, you could have done the make this fine. You could have done the Lucha House Party versus the Ascension, and then put the revival with AOP and uh, Rude and Gable. You could have done that, and it would have been fine. But no. You put them with the revival, and you beat them. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I don't mind. I I think Lucha House Party is cool. I I liked Lucha House Party in 205 Live. I think they're entertaining. They're funny. They have great moves. All three of them have great chemistry together. But they should not be beating Dash and Dawson. They should not be beating them. I'll I'll do do you better. better. It's one of the most absurd wastes of talent I've seen in a long time. And that's saying something. Ouch. Mm, well, really. I'll I segue mean, off of that because Mike Kanellis fought off the entire Lucha House Party <laughs> in his did. in his 205 Live debut <laughs> by his fucking self and got the well, win. God. And the revival get beat clean by the Lucha House Party. He had the power of Maria's ass with him, though. Oh, that's a very strong power. She should always wear that ring gear from now on, by the way. That oh, ring gear. Said she better. <laughs> I don't know. That was like full ass. Oh, She's something stop. else. But, um, okay, so I was kind of confused why the Lucha House Party was there unless they just needed somebody to take a pinfall. And then when I saw <laughs> the Revival lose, I, I literally went, huh, oh, those guys aren't a thing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> The only, you know what's going to happen next is they're going to just they're going to break them just, up. And of course they are. Of course they are. Just think of the incredible fucking series of matches American Alpha and the Revival had down in NXT, and how great those were, and the fact that they couldn't get American Alpha over because they did nothing to fucking ingratiate them to the crowd, and then they just went, oh well, yeah, we're going to fucking split them up, uh, and neither one did anything significant as a singles uh, act. And then the revival's doing this. And so, what's they're getting worse? the golden please, truth. Please, 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 please. Just give the fucking book to Hunter. I honestly never in my fucking life did I think I would be saying that. But I'm well, sitting I'm here <laughs> and the only fucking solution to what's going on right now is fucking Triple H. But can I ask you guys a question? What is worse when you get called up? Is it worse to get split up like Alpha did? 
for no fucking reason and then stick them with tag a different tag team partners anyway or is it worse to get jobbed out like the ascension were and now the revival are because i don't know what's worse i really don't i'm not sure which I, which avenue is worse i would say stay keeping together is the better way to go because at least then when you go back out on the indies you can still push yourself as a tag team and and use that sort of notoriety but I, I don't know. Jason Jason Jordan was was kind of moving up the car before he got injured. He was actually scheduled for a match against Kurt Angle at WrestleMania 34, so that would have propelled him to be, you know, in, in that upper tier. So I'll give them that. But <sighs> let me just say at this point that the Ascension is being better booked than the Revival is. Ouch. Well, I the Ascension got fucking jobbed out to a makeshift tag team that, on Raw, too. So. That's, to- that's totally fine, but in singles matches, they beat both of them. By the way, AOP, this new renewed push for AOP, uh, they were on the losing end to fucking Jordan and Ru- uh, Gable and Rude. So, I guess fuck tag teams. Um, that is all I can say. That that's been Vince's philosophy for a long time, and apparently it's still alive and well. Uh, Hunter, as you can see with the NXT product, clearly still believes in tag team wrestling. He's more of an old school guy. Uh, but yeah, I, I think the revival until Hunter takes over in- entirely, we can pretty much rule out anything significant for the revival. Um, speaking Does of, Vince hate tag teams because he never had any good ones in the early eighties. Like believe, the NWA I'm, had well, all the good ones. I'm pretty sure him and Snook a tag teamed a couple people. Oh. Um, <laughs> I was yeah, I was gonna go there. That's I'm just guessing. I don't know that for a fact. It's probably in someone's book somewhere. But anyway, speaking of people getting pulled from things or or sold out of things, uh, John Cena and Daniel Bryan this week were both officially removed from the card for this week's or tomorrow's Crown Jewel event. Uh, this was not surprising. We had been hearing these rumors forever. Um, Really doesn't surprise me in either case. Apparently, the story that came out today was that Daniel Bryan had pretty much told them from the start he wasn't going before uh, the story with the reporter Jamal Khashoggi happened, um, citing issues last year with racism and sexism and uh, just didn't feel it represented something he wanted to be a part of. They were trying to just push him and motivate him by giving him the title match. He continued to refuse to go. In fact, at one point, I guess he told management, please just have me lose to The Miz at Super Showdown. I don't want to be obligated to this show. Uh, and they thought they could change his opinion. They never did. Uh, we'll get into sort of the fallout from that that took place on SmackDown later, so let's try to keep those those two things separate. But uh, and John Cena removed, and that didn't surprise me in the fucking least. And you'd have to sort of be an idiot to be surprised by that. John Cena is pretty much done as a regular performer, as, as a wrestler. He's segueing himself into the world of acting. He's got to be much more conscious of his public image than he's been in the past. And an association with this show for somebody who's trying to get attention and, and draw you know, critical acclaim in Hollywood and get roles and things like that is just not a good look. So I, I totally understand John Cena not being a part of this. Oh, I understand Cena not being a part of it. But on the flip side... I would completely understand WWE wanting him to be. I mean, you talk about the one guy who has global appeal that's still, you know, somewhat relevant in this decade. But 
I completely agree with Cena not going. I just I don't see WWE attempting to book a show without you know promoting that Cena would be there. A show like this, you know, that's why he showed up at Super Showdown very briefly, but he was there because John Cena's name on a fucking card like that is going to sell tickets. Yeah, that's okay. They got a uh, they got somebody to replace him. They really did, and. Uh... Oh no! I failed. Never mind. Ignore it. I was gonna play Hulk Hogan's music. Damn it! Um, I was gonna do it just now. Just God damn it! Now uh, we all fucked YouTube it up. ads. God Please. damn it! I'm not Troy. Uh, I'm sad now. <laughs> but um, <laughs> no, I mean I, I totally agree. Um, John Cena. There's no reason he should be involved in this, and 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 him to not like the fact that they they kept him in all the ads up to this point. And just trying to—I don't know if it was trying to convince him or to just try to sell more tickets. Like it, the fact that that he—it was reported that he didn't want to be involved, and I mean they had to do some silly, like, oh yeah, Bobby Lashley's going in because you're going to replace somebody who didn't qualify. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was such a cop out, but. I don't know. Not only I, I did he not qualify, he fucking lost his match on Raw to Finn Balor for the second week in a row. Yes, he did. That's true. That's and, true. Um, yeah, you got to think that this was a classic old school piece of shit wrestling promoter bait and switch where it's like we're going to advertise Cena right up until the last fucking second. You yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's really... okay. Actually, actually, it's it is okay because besides seeing, they have another guy besides Hulk Hogan that is going to be uh, wrestling at Super Showdown. Um, dude, what is that? Are you did you turn in your garbage disposal? Uh, uh, dude, um, what? Um, Super Showdown was last month. <laughs> I said no. no. Crown yeah. Jewel, right? No, no. no. You said well, Super I'm not Showdown. watching it, so I don't really care what it's called. I didn't watch Super Showdown either, though. So, um, did it? That was actually decent. <laughs> but this segues well into our next topic, because in order to compensate for the fact that Daniel Bryan decided to pull himself out of, Sma- of Crown Jewel, WWE had on SmackDown the AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan match they had promised for Crown Jewel. Of course, reports are there were several things kicked around, several different things to do with this match, including a cell made reference to earlier, sticking the match in the performance center in front of a green screen and trying to convince people that it was taking place live in Saudi Arabia. Um, thankfully, they did not do that. Uh, yeah. I think, given the circumstances, what they did on SmackDown was the best they could have done. Uh, I thought AJ and Daniel had a phenomenal match. Oh, I um, loved it. I think it was great, and I don't, I don't buy that it was coincidence that they had Daniel cleanly tap out in the middle of the ring. I think that was, oh, you don't want to fucking go to Saudi Arabia? You know what, bitch? You're not only losing, you're fucking tapping out. Um, That's fine. That being said, I mean, uh, AJ still uh, told a good story with, you know, working on his knee throughout the match. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They they got to where they need to get to because they're both fucking pros, and I would expect them to, but the booking of that match was very clearly a, the finish of that match was very clearly a, okay, well, fine, don't fucking go. 
Right. You think if it was on, if it if they did do it at the performance center and they used a green screen, it would be like those old school Super Nintendo wrestling games. I would expect where where the crowd has like three motions every like few seconds and it just loops. I would expect them to periodically like Bray Wyatt's match with Randy Orton at SummerSlam, just bugs in the background and replacing people. (laughs) I just pictured there would be a still scene like in Street Fighter. And then you'd see you'd see like a sphinx in the background and a fucking pyramid, like, like something really bad like that. Mid match, it just switches to hardcore porn behind them as they're wrestling. <laughs> oh my god! Oh god! No, I I thought this this match was a great opener. The fucking China porn. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! It's her as the Incredible Hulk, though. Oh god! <laughs> um. No, the uh, I, I I thought this was a great match. Um, they did a really great job. Um, this is a great um, example of somebody selling their injury throughout the match. Uh, Daniel Bryan getting his leg just shredded throughout the entire match, and um, I agree with Jason in saying that him cleanly tapping out is definitely a. Uh, it's just hey, you're not gonna go we're going to make you lose cleanly and the worst way possible and just tapping out. But it did make sense. It, his leg was worked on the entire match. The match was great. These, they have, these two have great matches together and there's no doubt how, about it. How great was that fucking styles clash? Oh, oh my God. God. It was oh, so no. good. So good. And then to have, you know, Samoa Joe come out and beat the shit out of both of them. Um, you oh, know, it's, it's to segue out. that. Is there a chance that Joe steps in and, and says, you know, I'll take the match in Saudi Arabia, and they reward him with the WWE title? I, I do think it's possible he wins the match, and we'll get into predictions later, but I, I do think it's funny that you say, is it possible that Joe steps in? Like, like Joe had a fucking choice. Like, True. Let me explain to you how this works. This one, so he went, hey, Samoa Joe, you want to be fucking employed? Guess where you're going this weekend? <laughs> Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, Actually, no, I, I, and and Troy gave me some shit because I, I had posted that originally it was reported as uh, it was going to be Rusev. As I understand it now, it was planning to be Rusev that was going to get this shot. Uh, Joe was able to clear the concussion protocol in time to be inserted into the match, so that was the, that was the change at the last minute. Um, but we do have, and before we get too deep, we got some more categories here in the perfect ten. But we also got a couple of voicemails this week, and uh, if you would like to share your thoughts on the goings-on in the world of professional wrestling, we encourage you, 61-RUNDOWN-7, that is the phone number to give us a call, leave us a voicemail, and let's hear what we got in the voicemail box this week. Bear with me, folks. This is my first time doing this. Be gentle. Oh, I can play the Hulk Hogan music now. <laughs> Hi, Rundown. It's me, Adam. Former host. Creator. Life giver. Dumpster abandoner. Anyways, I want to call and give my thoughts on evolution, since I'm not able to be on the show this week. Um, I enjoyed evolution as a whole. Uh, I thought it was a, a good show. Was it the life-changing company, business-changing, world-breaking moment that everybody wanted it to be? No. 
but it's certainly not the fault of any of the women involved. Um, it's more the fault of Vince McMahon not giving it actual shit about the product, which is fairly obvious, I think, from the production of the show itself. Um, I thought I thought most of the stuff that happened in the ring was fine. Uh, Alicia Fox continues to prove why she shouldn't be in the company, uh, and that the only thing that kept her there for 13 years was Michael T.S. Hayes' dick. Um, but uh, other than that, I thought the matches were pretty good. Um, I really liked the, the last woman standing match should have been the main event and should have gone on last and should have been a lot of things, uh, but I think it absolutely killed it. I think Becky and Charlotte went out there and just tore the house down. Uh, so that would be my match of the night. Um, yeah, that, that tag match with Lita and Trish and Mickey James and Alicia was not great. Um, I think, I think it certainly wasn't helped by Alicia's involvement with Alexa Bliss. I think that certainly would have saved it a little bit, but, uh, just Nikki James was the best performer in in that ring in that match, and I think and that's not a knock on Nikki James, but I think it says something about uh, about the rest of the performers. Anyway, uh, production wise, I think the show really suffered. Uh, the the stage was okay, the lighting fucking sucked. Uh, it got a little better towards the end of the show, but the first couple of matches where they darkened the entire house. And all you could see was the ring and the big screen that sort of evolution, I think, really just made it look like a house show. Uh, they didn't have the LED ring posts. They didn't have the LED ring aprons. They didn't have the, the current barricade. It was the old metal barricade with the drapes over it. I think really just kind of make the sh made the show look kind of chintzy and, and, and kind of hurt the, the overall status of it. But uh, as a whole, I would say probably... Uh, maybe a B-minus, C-plus show. Uh, I'm glad that Ronda Rousey retained. I was... All right, Adam got cut off, but I believe he did call back. So hold on one second. We'll get to... I was going to say, what a shame. Now he knows what it's like to try to keep your pains in under three minutes. We'll get to part two. I do have a question. Yes. Who is Adam? <laughs> the guy... One more thing. Fuck Crown Jewel. I don't care who wins. Bye. Ooh. And there you have it. So uh, that, that was actually Triple H right there. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we've already gone through most of the stuff he touched upon. It's amazing that one person could be wrong on so many topics in one fucking three-minute voicemail. I mean, look at his picks. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think, just mad because AJ Lee didn't win. I think that's why he's bitter. He really is looking for that Brandy Rhodes pop. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Adam, I hope you listen to the show and and you can get angry with the fact that we all thought it was fantastic uh, and for and enjoyed and thought the production actually added to the ambiance. And, and to his point, and I didn't even necessarily mention this specifically, but when they darkened the whole crowd, to me. 
all you heard was how hot the crowd was. You didn't see signs. You didn't see people trying to wave their fucking hands and they're on their cell phones and nothing taking away from what was going on in the ring. You got the hotness of the crowd, but focused on the in-ring, and I thought that yeah. was that was huge benefit. Yeah, you got that audio, and it felt like anybody who's watched old-school wrestling, that's what it felt like. All right, but back to the perfect 10. Uh, we touched on this a little bit earlier, but the AOP push continued this week on Raw as they managed to lose in a match with Rude and Gable and the Ascension. Now, technically, they did not take the pinfall here. That gift was given to the Ascension. Uh, this match started, went to commercial with a little box in the window where you can see what's going on. Total match time where they were full screen was about a minute and a half. Uh, and then Rude and Cable captured the win with AOP not even in the fucking picture. Um, does this help or hurt AOP? I don't really know. I don't mind. I, I didn't mind it because AOP stood tall after the bell rang. Um, I actually didn't mind Rude and Gable's finisher. I thought it was kind of cool. Um, but yeah, the, chaos, wanna... the chaos theory into the neck breaker. It was actually really. It was really good. Yeah, it looked good. It was a believable finisher. Um, but AOP standing tall after the bell, I mean, it would be nice if they had won the match because, you know, why are Rude and Gable winning this match? They lost singles matches to the bo- Connor of the Ascension, right? Be both of them? Yep. <clears throat> yeah. So why, why, why are they winning this match? It's, it's just silly. Uh, have AOP win. Have them stand tall. There's no need for that. But, I mean... It's fine if you're gonna build the if you're gonna build AOP up. They're just more about destruction. They destroyed. Hey Vince, I got this great tag team from NXT. These two big guys, I call them AOP. Hunter, that's a great idea. Let's put Bobby Roode in a tag team. Get that <laughs> short little Olympic guy. Put him with him. They're fucking huge. They'll be great to put over the Lucha House Party next week. No, but this, but this AOP team. Yes, I'm so glad I thought of glorious lucha, lucha. <laughs> yeah, fucking great. The kids love that shit. Yeah, nah, this is <sighs> fucking garbage. All right, I don't know why Bobby Roode is in a tag team. I mean, to be honest with you, and to, and and secondary, I think Chad Gable could be a fine single star, but they don't see it that way. So. He's fucking so tiny, Bobby Roode. <laughs> Gable's fucking tiny, pal. Fucking cruiserweight. (laughs) (laughs) If Mike Bennett's a fucking cruiserweight, then Chad Gable's like a fucking dwarf. I don't know. I was going to say a featherweight? (laughs) I don't know exactly what they'd categorize him as. Uh, Moving on in the perfect 10, as we discovered this week, uh, WWE is continuing to go with this bullshit theory that Survivor Series is the only time all year that Raw and SmackDown superstars compete in head-to-head competition. First off, competing in head-to-head competition is fucking redundant. Stop saying it. Uh, But (laughs) let's add to the fact that it's also completely fucking factually inaccurate, and if you need any further proof, the finals of Crown Jewel will be a Raw superstar star versus a smackdown superstar so the fucking event that you're holding on friday completely fucking disproves this bullshit theory you're peddling on raw but in any event the way we know this for sure is that we were announced that becky lynch will be going one-on-one with ronda rousey in a battle of champion versus champion um I think it's going to be a fantastic match, and I'm really looking forward to it. Unfortunately, we got to it by virtue of a horrible fucking video where they ran into each other backstage at Evolution and just called each other champ for a minute and a half. Uh, really fucking horrible build. But 
that's how they that's what they do with the women horrible builds and then the women fucking kill it in the ring um what are you guys' thoughts of WWE continuing to stick with this bullshit idea of brand versus brand at Survivor Series? Go ahead, Sal. It's the one night a year, pal. Except for all those other nights. But forget about those, because it's one night a year for marketing purposes. Uh, I <laughs> So I think the whole champ... Hold on, guys. Uh, hold on one second, guys. I'm sorry. I get, Before we get into this fucking topic, I gotta... Fireball. Okay, now I'm ready to talk about this shit. Was it Fireball? It was. Yep, see? Called it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's obviously a way to make Survivor Series interesting, I guess. They brand it as the only time of the year, but it's a bunch of bullshit. And to make things worse. Okay. So the whole promo with them calling each other champ. Hey, champ, I see you, champ. Uh, champ. I feel like Brock Lesnar and Bo- Goldberg did this like a month or so before WrestleMania 20 uh, when they were both the champs of their respective brands before they both lost the titles and then ended up having a quote-unquote. Um, um, the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, Le- Lesnar and Goldberg were both on Raw fighting each other for the same championship. Oh, dude, really? I'm talking about 15 years ago. Oh, oh. oh Jesus. I'm not talking about that. that stupid McDonald's title. I'm talking, <laughs> about, <laughs> I'm talking about the big gold belt in the original WWE Undisputed Championship. But anyway, I don't agree with Becky fighting Ronda. You think the crowd's going to cheer Ronda? They are so fucking far behind Becky right now. How is there any going back? Does that yeah, matter? I, I mean, they were way behind Becky at the fucking pay-per-view, and they still booked Charlotte as the face in the match. I don't think they gave a shit. No, they don't give a shit, but could it hurt Ronda at this point? I don't, nothing's going to hurt Ronda at this point. She's okay, the biggest that, fucking star in the company. I don't know. Becky's really over. That, that's another topic on the Perfect Ten. Is Becky Lynch the biggest star in the WWE right now? Way to fucking jump ahead, Sal. Jesus Christ. We're talking yeah, about Survivor Series. That. Stick to topic, talk please, guys. It. God damn it. Nobody cares Just... about Survivor Series. Nobody ever has and nobody ever will. Yeah. The, the year I was front row for the fucking shit, I, I cared deeply. So fuck you. <laughs> that was yeah, 25 my, my notes, years ago. My notes were literally brand versus brand. Oh, what about Crown Jewel? Like, <laughs> literally that. But I... I guess you can only say that they're trying to promote it because the whole pay-per-view is based around brand versus brand. That's the only way you could say it. It's garbage. Stop promoting it like that. Just fucking promote it as... Like, we, everybody knows what it is at this point. You, 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 the whole point is you're going to take a bunch of... You're going to take a, te- a big fucking 10-person tag elimination match. And you're going to fucking pit the two brands against each other. I, I, Just fucking say it's another pay-per-view. I'm I don't gonna care say, at this point. Like, I don't even fucking care. Like, I think it's kind of cool, the notion of SmackDown women versus Raw women in an eliminate, Survivor Series elimination match. And, like, I don't even have a problem with that. Just stop with the notion that it's the only fucking time all year we do it. It's such a bullshit tagline that it, it takes fucking away from the programs and, and what you're doing in the ring. I just fucking hate it. That's my uh, real issue with it. Speaking of only time of the year they're doing this, and then they double down on SmackDown, and Shane's like, if a SmackDown superstar loses that finals to to Raw at Crown Jew, you're fired. Did you I'm just like, say Crown Jew? I was Crown Jewel. 
Jewel. I was going to say I heard Crown Jew. I don't know. I'm pretty sure you said Crown Jew. I think you guys are hearing what you want to hear. No, we both heard it one way. Well, sometimes it goes both ways. God damn, pal. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, listen, like I said, I, I think this is a mistake to continue marketing this way because it's just so clearly bullshit. Uh, as for your point, Sal, of, of what was said on SmackDown this week, I, to me that's just a, a way short of the superstar shakeup to get one of these guys over to Raw. So if anything, all that did was revitalize my belief that this fucking tournament's being won by someone from Raw, but we'll get into predictions later. Um, anyway, going forward, Sal fucking spoiled the next topic on The Perfect Time, but the question is, is Becky Lynch the biggest star in WWE right now? Sal, since you uh, fucking gave this away early, why don't you give us your response? So there is definitely an argument that she is I have been singing Becky's praises for three, four years right now. Uh, and I was so disappointed for the past, you know, whatever long it was before she got this push, where she was not even appearing at pay-per-views. She was getting thrown in garbage storylines. They didn't really have nothing for her. It was heartbreaking because this girl is so fucking talented. And I think whatever they did with her character at SummerSlam – whether it was a heel turn or whether it was just a, a tweak in the direction of the character, it works so perfectly because Becky's delivery and her conviction has been fucking money. Uh, she is super over. Is she more over than Seth? I think so. I could argue that Roman's the most over guy in the company, but obviously he's not wrestling anytime soon. So, yeah. I mean, right now, maybe Braun has a chance to be that. But for the time being, in this moment, yeah, it's Becky. I feel like the Braun pop has gone down. But ironically enough, I'm not sure the answer to this is yes. She's definitely right in that discussion. But to me, the most overstar, the biggest star in the company right now is the person Becky's going to be facing in Survivor Series. It's clearly Ronda Rousey. I mean, this is... Biggest reaction, she's headlining the first women's pay-per-view event. She's the one that's going to headline to be the first women's match to headline WrestleMania. You can debate in ring or not whether she's she's in that caliber, but as far as star power, she's easily the biggest star in the company right now. Yeah, I want to say she's the biggest in the company, but um, obviously our truth is bigger than her. <laughs> Dance <laughs> <No>. break! <laughs> I, I, I would argue that it's either Ronda or Becky because the pops are equally as loud whenever they come out. The difference is Becky can deliver. I, 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 it's not that I don't think Ronda can deliver on her character. And she had very, very high moments throughout her um, the, the Nikki Bella feud. But it's no, it's no fault of Ronda's. It's just she, she's very young in the her wrestling career. But I, I think I think Becky should be the biggest star, and I think that it's arguable that she is the biggest star, and I want her to be, so she is. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, I mean, look, name value aside, yes, Ronda's name is going to draw the attention from ESPN. Ronda's name is going to draw the attention from mainstream. But as far as who is on fire, no pun intended, it's Becky. What are you saying? She has a fire crush? <laughs> <laughs> she's straight fire 
You didn't say no. <laughs> All right, that's going to bring it to our next topic on the perfect time. And I don't know what the fuck just happened on my internet, but in any event, uh, let's go to the third brand of WWE, which we don't touch on a whole lot on this show, but. Last week's edition of NXT had a fairly monumental moment as the the attacker of Aleister Black, the storyline they've been playing out for a couple months at this point, was quote-unquote revealed uh, when it was sort of, I guess, I guess revealed that Johnny Gargano was the person that responsible for attacking <clears throat> Aleister Black, the whole Nikki Cross story. Um Sal, I know you felt pretty strongly about this, so why don't you tell us? Start off by telling us your thoughts on this. I will start with this: that the production and how they shot the final segment of NXT last week was perfect. Um, you start off in the ring with your title picture uh, that gets completely thrown off the rails by Nikki Cross. And, and, you know, he's coming, he's coming, and then out of nowhere, here comes Aleister Black fighting his way, you know, to the ring. Lars Sullivan tries to get in the ring, and Aleister Black just kicks him in the face. And then he grabs Regal by the fucking collar, and is like, where is he? Where is he? And it's right up to that moment, you're sitting there going, who? Who? And then the camera is positioned in a way, it, it's shot in a way that you can't see behind Black, and Black turns around and gets super kicked. It's fucking great production. However... I don't agree that you take one of the most over faces in recent memory on NXT. I mean, you can go all the way back to Finn Balor of a guy that was so over and the crowd was so behind as a face and you kind of fucked it up. And now uh, it looks like you're, you're going to make him a heel and he's going to be fighting Aleister Black because he's out of the title picture. And look, as much as I love how good Champa's become after the split from DIY. I don't agree what they did with Johnny Gargano's character. It doesn't work for me. Um, I also agree with Sal. I thought it was just extremely well done at the end of NXT last week. Um, and I thought, you know, everybody was wondering who attacked him because Nikki Cross told him who did it. And then Johnny Gargano, Johnny Gargano comes out and super kicks him. And I don't mind now that you're going to turn Johnny heel. It's fine. It's a little weird, but it's fine. He had he's been kind of had the seeds planted for a couple months now. And um, you have I mean you have friggin' uh, Velveteen Dream as a face now, so you have a big face. Matt Riddle debuted too. Right. And then you're gonna go this but you're gonna go this week and you're gonna have Candace LeRae come out and you're gonna have her confront Nikki Cross. Head to toe in black with black lipstick too. Yeah, what the yeah. fuck did they do to Candace LeRae? <laughs> I didn't realize that was Candace LeRae at first, actually. When she ran out, I was like, Who the hell oh, oh, okay. But she was she was literally saying like she's she told Nikki Cross you're toying with people's lives so it puts the doubt back in your head that it might not be Johnny Gargano. Um, but Johnny Gargano came out on his own will and hit Alistair Black, so why would he do that? 
So it's it's it made it a little more. It, it took a step back. You got the answer, but then you're taking that step back that it might not be him again. That's a little confusing to me. Okay, so here's I, I wasn't a fan of it because I think Johnny Gargano is one of the last pure baby faces you have, and to completely waste him with a sort of nonsensical heel turn doesn't make sense. But allow me to do this. Allow me to play out for you the way I would book this. Now, I don't know that this is what they're going to do. If I am booking this, and I, let's see what you guys think of this, here's what I do. I run through this angle, and eventually the payoff to this whole angle is we discover that Nikki Cross has been in cahoots all along with Tommaso Ciampa. Ciampa was the one that attacked Alistair Black. He used Nikki Cross to convince Alistair that it was Johnny Gargano, that Johnny heard that it was he was being blamed and he went and defended himself ahead of time, preemptive strike on Alistair, because he knew Alistair was coming for him. And we find out that Tommaso was been pulling the puppet strings all along to keep Johnny away from him and his NXT championship and by turning his two biggest rivals against each other and using Nikki Cross to do it. The only way I like no, I, I think it's great. The only way I like it though is if uh, you know, Ciampa and Cross have a live sex celebration afterward. <laughs> well, you also you also give Alistair someone to come back Candice LeRae if you continue the Johnny Gargano storyline eventually. Oh, of course. No, of course. I, I, I do I do like that. I was gonna try to make a more you know, valid argument why is to not whatever your whatever your argument was gonna be, I was gonna try to combat it, but no, there's no reason to. That that's a very valid point. It's a fine conclusion. It will never happen. Because I just don't, even though it's Triple H and it's NXT, I don't see them going that deep into the storyline to get it back to being like, I was champ all along. You know what I mean? I think it would be a huge swerve. And if you can book it correctly for the next couple weeks of TV, where Johnny never actually admits that he did it, but more like he's just mad that Alistair's coming after him, then it's great. <clears throat> I just don't know if it would happen. Or he's mad at Alistair for losing the title to Tommaso. They sort of started that part of the storyline earlier. So That's true. That's true. I, I just, if, if if I'm correct and that is the storyline that they go with, I, I win all future prediction contests. I'm just saying it right but now. But what do you do? Okay, so but if Tommaso is pulling the strings, then what do you do with Johnny at that point? He's still... A face, or people kind of like. Yeah, no, he's still a face. Behind black, or no, he's still a face, and his life's been turned around and manipulated by Tommaso trying to pull this angle, and him and Alistair sort of eventually figure it out and come together, and we we end up with that original triple threat we were supposed to get that we never got. But there's a there's a weird thing there. Why would Gargano come out and just attack Alistair Black again? Like I said, because he had heard that Alistair was coming after him, and he was getting him before he was. He could get him. And that is the first thing he said to him. You looking for me? Right. I'm right here. <laughs> mm. Okay. He's never, he's never, and, and through the tapings, he's never admitted responsibility for it. And like you said, Candace is playing it off as if she has no idea that this is a thing that happened. And very rarely in WWE do they point things, flashing neon signs so directly at someone and not have there be some sort of swerve involved. So, 
I'm just throwing this against the wall. This is how I would book it if I want, if I were trying to be as creative as possible. And I, I don't know. It's just a thought that popped into my head. I, I think uh, no, I, I do like do. it. I do like it a lot. I I kind of hope they do it. Um, and if you're saying that they're not, Johnny but, never comes out and gives some type of huge confession over the next tapings, then they need to further this storyline correctly at Takeover. Because Nikki Cross also never confronted Johnny. She confronted Cassius Ono. She confronted Velveteen. She confronted Tommaso himself. But if she knew it was Johnny, why was she confronting all these other people? Makes no fucking sense. Unless all three of them are somehow in cahoots, which is possible. Maybe that's what they're going to end up with. I don't know, because Ono's clearly turning heel. Um, so no, we'll be. Inter- I, I just think there's more to the story than what we've 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 seen so far. Nikki's got a secret. Exactly. Nikki's got a secret. Victoria's. Uh, staying <laughs> in the world of NXT, the this week's edition of NXT revealed some of the War Games two card. As we found out that we are in fact going to get the Velveteen Dream challenging Tommaso Ciampa. We are going to get the t- We are going to get Johnny. Uh, Gargano versus Alistair Black, and we are in fact going to get the return of War Games, and in this case, it is going to be the War Raiders teaming up with um, Ricochet, teaming up with Pete Dunne to take on the Undisputed Era. Uh, in it became clear to us as a result of a giant brawl that took place. It started with Undisputed Era and War Machine. Ricochet got himself involved, and by the time we got to the back into the arena, uh, Pete Dunne came out, and we had your four-on-four match. Uh, guys, looking at this early shape-up for the War Games 2 card, how do you think this shapes up so far for NXT, given some of the other shows we've seen? I'm looking forward to it. Honestly, the, the War Games last year was so well done um, that I, I think I will look forward to any future NXT War Games matches. Um, it does have a lot to live up to, but I think the people you have involved is just, it's, it'll be really hard for it to fail. I think, uh, dream versus Ciampa. I mean, it's just going to be a great match battle of the two most over people, heel and face that you could have right now. And Johnny Gargano versus Alistair Black is just going to be a barn burner of a match especially with their, their storyline they have going on right now. It, it's it's all going to be... It, it's just with those three matches alone, I'm going to watch it. Sal? Well, I, this card sucks. I mean, I Aleister Black versus Johnny Gargano. It's just, you know, it's awful. And then you have... No, I can't even fucking do that shtick for even a half a second. No, this is going to be a fucking amazing takeover, just like takeover always is. And somehow, someway, Triple H always seems to outdo himself from the previous takeover. We are getting a fucking war with the Undisputed Era, Ricochet, War Machine, and now Pete Dunne added to the mix. That fucking match is going to be definitely a candidate, in my opinion, for match of the year. And that's before I even saw a minute of it. And I'm guessing, just based on what we've seen, we're probably going to get Cassius Ono and Matt Riddle. Uh, that would be right. the one I think we're probably going to get. Matt uh, Riddle's takeover debut, yep, absolutely. Yeah, Cassius prob- is definitely going over. Probably Shayna <laughs> versus Kyrie uh, in, a, in a rematch. Again, I'm not a huge fan of that idea, but like you said, Sal, they did seem to point to that on this week's episode. 
Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is going to be another great NXT show. But Dream versus Ciampa is going to be one to watch. I'm fucking excited to see that, truthfully. Oh, you know, I didn't even mention that because Velveteen Dream has consistently had his name in Match of the Year for the past year and a half, really. Yeah, yeah. So, as has Ciampa. As has Ciampa. So, you know, I, I, was, I was joking, but this is such a great match to have, and I'm really glad they're doing it because for a little while I didn't know if they were going to give Velveteen Dream the shot. It's very easy to give it back to Black and say, you know, Aleister Black deserves his rematch because he got taken out. Um, and then you just do a fuck finish there where, like, whoever attacked him cost him the match. But to give Dream this shot, I think the whole fucking crowd is going to be behind Dream. And I'm going to say it. I'd love to see them put the title on him. I don't think they will, but I'd love to well, see it. Okay, but we also didn't think at last year's War Games that they were going to put the ti- take the title off McIntyre and put it on Almas. So true. true. Um, but yeah, last year, of course, the War Games pay-per-view was sort of the coming out party for Velveteen Dream against Aleister Black, too. So he's got a great deal of history and success at this event. So looking forward to see how that plays out. Uh, but um, I do have two, real quick, I have, I have okay. two questions. Sure. Um, you have um, EC3, where'd he go? <laughs> when do you think he's going to actually appear on the main roster? Uh, we'll talk about that later. Okay. <laughs> All right. The other one is uh, ne- next week they promoted a match between... EC3 was on this week's edition of NXT, though. I mean... Yeah, no, I mean, but... When do you think they're actually going to bring him on the main roster? We'll talk about it later. Oh, all right. Well, why'd you we'll set me up again? About, we'll talk it's about it later. No, but um, next week they have the whole uh, Velveteen Dream versus Lars Sullivan match, which is interesting to me. Um, that they'll actually like. I, I'm pretty sure Dream's going to win, but um, how do you think he'll win? Do you think he'll win clean? Oh yeah. Just to get- Oh, he will he will topple the monster and he will beat him with that uh, purple rainmaker and it will be a huge moment in in NXT TV history. Just remember the name you were just talking about, Jeff. That's all I'm going to say. Anyway, okay. <laughs> as we continue along in our perfect ten, uh, Seth uh, Rollins still wants to fist Dean Ambrose, except this time he wants to do it upside his head. Uh, Seth came out, cut a great promo on Dean. Only real issue I have with this was that they brought in Roman Reigns and the leukemia thing, and I sort of wish they'd kept that out. Like It's one of those things that's there and sort of goes, it's better without saying it and beating people over the head with it. Um, if he had just stuck to on that night of all nights or something like that, I would have like sort of liked it a little bit better than hearing the word leukemia in the promo. It just right, I, right. I wasn't yeah. crazy about that. Um, but Dean did come out. Dean came out, of course, in the audience because, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, and stood there, listened to Seth, never said a word. Uh, Seth continued to get frustrated till he said, all right, fine, I'm going to come up there and beat the shit out of you. And Dean just walked away. Um, part of this promo I really enjoyed was Seth sort of self uh, being very self-aware and, you know, maybe it was what I did seven, several years ago and he never got over that and sort of adding a little realism of placing some blame on himself, which is something heroes and faces typically don't do. Um, mm-hmm. So I thought that was a really nice touch, but how did you guys like this segment? Um, well, I, I, going back to what you exactly said, going back to his original turn, he even made the point that like, I at least had the, I at least had the balls to like look you in the like not look you in the eyes, but I had the balls to be in the ring with you. Whereas Dean Ambrose was up on the 
you know, the rafters, just not saying a word, looking down at him. I thought it was a really good segment. Um, I agree with you in the sense they should, probably shouldn't have brought up Roman Reigns' leukemia again. Um, it does make me concerned that this is going to be a reoccurring thing in this feud. Um, I really hope it's not. But unfortunately, I think it's going to be. Um, this, I'm really, re- I think this just this whole segment cemented the fact that last week when he turned heel, the way he turned heel was the right call. Mm-hmm. I think it, it, I'm really excited to see where this goes going forward. Um, when Dean Ambrose finally talks, I think it's going to be one of his best promos he's ever delivered. And what I would do to piggyback off of your point. That's not I a don't... high ceiling to compare it to, Jeff. Sorry. <laughs> is I um I wouldn't have Dean talk until he beats the shit out of Seth so bad that Seth gets cutted out in an ambulance. And then the next week you have Ambrose come out cut kind of like that Kevin Owens promo that he did after he beat up Jericho and be like, you know, <clears throat> it was always about you and you and you and now it's about me. That's the promo I think you cut. I think that's where you take the character. But you keep him not talking for a good couple weeks. Fair. Yeah, I, I don't know. The whole not talking thing at this point just seems so passe in wrestling. I, we've seen it so many times. Well, it's been done, of course. You I brought mean, up the Jericho hasn't... thing, and it's sort of like that has been done. That that was that was interesting because it had never we'd never really seen that before. Now we've seen it, the whole I'm not going to give you the answer you want thing. It's just so overdone to me. I think I would have enjoyed it a lot more if Dean had just come out and and spilt it and got it out there. Um, but whatever, it, it is what it is. I mean, I'm not a fan. I've, I've never been a huge fan of Dean's, as we've established on this show quite a bit. Um, but I, I thought it was – this was well done for what it was. There were some things I, I would have done differently, but – all things considered, I'm, I'm interested and intrigued to see where we go from here. So I just, I also didn't like the fact that this was sort of sandwiched into that second hour spot instead of the right. main event of the show because we had to get fucking Triple H and Shawn Michaels in the main event slot instead of the <sighs> actual program people came here to fucking see. Uh, but whatever, we'll touch on that a little bit later too. But it is time for the Perfect Ten's main event, and this week our main event is an interesting oh, question. Oh, I get it. It's an interesting question because the question is, which NXT superstar is best poised to succeed on the main roster and which is most likely to fail? Uh, I will start by saying my NXT superstar best poised to succeed in the WWE might be a bit of a surprise because Jeff brought him up earlier. I think it's EC3. I think this guy has everything Vince McMahon looks for. He can talk. He's got an amazing physique. His in-ring work is good enough. Um... But he's got character, he's got persona, personality. He is a main roster guy working down in NXT, and that's why I don't think he's as over in NXT as he will be on the main roster. I think he is, to me, looking at that roster up and down, he is the most, he's the guy I say is the most surefire likely to succeed on the main roster. Go ahead, Sal. Well, do you want to give your most likely to fail? Well, or you well, want... Let's do the succeeds first. And then okay, we'll... okay, okay. Um, you definitely make a strong argument, and there is no reason to disagree with you because EC3 is, like you said, he's got all the tools. I don't know what character he plays when he gets here. I prefer him as the heel. I think that's where he does his best work. 
but he's definitely got the look of a WWE superstar, easily could be on Raw. But for me, the guy who I think will be an instant success is Aleister Black. Uh, his his unique look, his entrance, his music, um, everything about the character, I think, is something that gets over and, and something that Vince likes as a dark, you know, twisted, large individual. Uh, it's a formula he knows well and a formula I think he likes to play. So I think Black is the... Is, instantly destined for success on the main roster. The only thing I would say goes against Aleister Black a little bit is that even now down in NXT, I feel like he's sort of lost some of that mystique, sort of some of that fan reaction. I don't know why it is, if it's a virtue of sort of Tommaso and Gargano's feud overshadowing his NXT title run. Oh, I think um, it absolutely is that. <laughs> but but in terms, like I don't feel like the fans are as behind him. I, I also think once he started talking, he lost some of the mystique too. I, I don't know. It is something something isn't quite as as high on him as it was at one point. I don't know. I Maybe mean, it's just me. To me, both points are easily corrected on the main roster because there's a lot of people who haven't seen him yet. Fair point, Jeff. Are we are we, are we going? Current NXT superstars yes. or superstars that came from NXT? No, current. No, current. Okay. Currently I'm going to go out on NXT. a limb. I'm going to go out on a limb. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to say Lars Sullivan. Okay. Interesting. Um, Lars Sullivan's humongous. And let's just say I I was not a huge fan of this guy coming in. And he's gotten... He's gotten a lot better on the mic. He hasn't had a lot of time on the mic. But when he has gotten on the mic... Even though he has a little lisp thing going, he's still very believable as somebody who just wants to hurt someone. He's humongous. He smashes people. And I think he'll take the place that I think they want a big cast to take. Mm-hmm. I think I think he'll really... He'll be projected right to the top. I think he'll be a top heel. I think that he'll get the title, no problem, when they bring him up. And... I think that he can he can be almost Braun Strowman like when he was when Braun Strowman was a heel at least and just wreck people backstage. People will, will just the, the people always love violence. I mean that's just yeah. how, what people like and the I mean his finisher is called the freak action freak accident and like he just picks people up and just all his body weight just goes right down into them. I I, I can't see how Vince McMahon wouldn't like somebody like that. Every time I see Lars Sullivan perform, the only thing I can think of is Gene Snitsky. Really? Yeah. yeah see, for I, me... That's it, the it, instant comp that comes into my brain. See, for me, I, I always get this feel of of a throwback, like, tough guy, like, wouldn't want to see him in a bar type of guy. A guy who will just, like, wreck, you know, destroy everybody on the main roster. Um not a Snitsky. For me, it's more like like an old school like NWA like just you know. Well, if he bully. Rates Lita, we'll know be on a bad path. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Now, as far as our superstars le- most likely to fail from NXT to the main roster, Jeff, why don't you go first on this one? Oh, this is tough. Um, is it though? It is, because there's going to be so many that are going to fail. <laughs> there's just going to be so many. Um, the ones that actually make the main roster, I, I think, honestly, it's going to be, like, once again, it's a bit of an outside Raul shot. Raul Mendoza. 
He's not making the main roster. Hey, you joke, but that guy looked awesome this week. He can uh, work his ass off. I'm going to go... Damn Street Profits, ah. actually. Street Profits, if they make the main roster, if... If. And I think they will. I think they will. They will... They'll dare crime time. Crime time is... They're going to do nothing. They're going to end up being golden truth. They're going to end up being... They're going to be worse than the golden truth. They're just going to not win a match ever. They're crime time in an era of New Day. <laughs> yes. I would well make the said. case that there are already those characters down in NXT. Oh, yeah. Okay, they beat they beat uh, HMO1 or whatever. Yeah, but they've been losing to them up to this point, so... Yeah, it's a back-and-forth feud. Sal, they got, you're... Black, they got black solo cups, though. <laughs> yeah, was, they were very excited. Like, th- those cups are not very expensive. You could have probably bought another one. Uh, Sal, <laughs> your, your choice for NXT Superstar guaranteed to fail on the main roster. But Ford's Cup says NXT. Oh, anyway. Um, as much as I hate to say it, guys, we know the answer to this question. We've seen this story before. It's Johnny Gargano. Vince isn't going to know how to fucking book him. Vince is going to book him worse than Chad Gable. And and that's if they don't start him off in 205 Live. Uh, you know, I, I love Johnny. I can't see Johnny having a successful career on Raw or SmackDown. I mean, can you can you imagine Vince watching the monitor and seeing Johnny in the ring with Miz? He's going to bury him the next day. It's just never going to work. All right, well, my, I'm going to go a little bit off the rails from where you guys went. My character, almost guaranteed to fail on the main roster, uh, we saw her this weekend as Kyrie Sane. Um, and I say this as somebody who doesn't get Kyrie Sane as it is, uh, but you look at how they've handled Asuka, who is a far more dominant, more polished, more uh, easily translatable character to the main roster than Kyrie Sane is, and just yeah. look at where she is right now. Uh, Kyrie, I, I think the princess, the pirate princess <laughs> thing, will be completely eviscerated by the main roster crowd. I don't think they'll get it. I don't think they'll like it. I think they will turn on her. Uh, I just I don't see this character or this wrestler getting over on the main roster. I really don't. That's a fair point because I mean, look look at where we were in the '90s with wrestling. We had all these gimmick characters. We had a garbage man. We had, and then even going forward, we had a pirate. What was that stupid pirate's name? Paul Burchill. Paul, Paul, Paul Burchill. He did the Sp- the Spanish Fly was his finisher, and that couldn't save him. And yeah, you're right. I I, I I don't take it back. Street Profits will make it to the main roster, and they will do awful. But you're right. Probably Kyrie Sane. I, I could I could totally see that. My only thing with Kyrie Sane of why she might not, besides her work rate, is that she's the only thing that looks different on the main roster in that division other than an MMA fighter to or somebody put how, to, how, to, how the, did, to a general crowd. Oscar didn't look different. I mean, she had a lot of colors, but like right now what's, I, you I, know, I they stuck they her in a tag team with Naomi. I mean, I don't think it's any of their faults, but I think WWE doesn't know how to get over a talent that can't, cut promos in english very well i mean you look at well, Nakamura, you look at asuka this is not and it's not a new thing this has been a recurring theme 
I, I'm gonna I'm gonna back you up on that because not that they can't. I don't think they want to. Who's the I've last heard, one they've done? I, I think no, that's what I'm have, saying. No, no, because I think they would have loved to get Nakamura over huge. Wow. I think they would have loved to get Oscar over huge. I think they don't know how to develop characters without promos as a major part of it. They do down in NXT, but for whatever reason, they can't seem to figure it out on the main roster. See, I, I've heard on different shows and podcasts, and I understand it's all entertainment at that point, but I've heard that Vince's biggest problem with the talent is if they can't talk him into the building. He's got a severe problem if they can't do that. And it doesn't matter what Hunter says. It doesn't matter what Kevin Dunn sees. If Vince doesn't see that somebody can talk him into the building, he gives up on him. Hence, well, not let's just let's just find uh, well, a cru- let's just it. find a cruiserweight to be their manager. <laughs> God, uh, the, the, I was going to say the thing with Akira Tozawa can manage Asuka. There we go. Uh, Nakamura, like Nakamura, can talk them into the building. He's had since he turned heel, he was um, been fantastic, but he's going nowhere. He's the U.S. champion, and he's he could be more he couldn't be more irre- irrelevant. No, you're absolutely right. It's going to be more irrelevant. Though I will say, as we approach brand versus brand, the concept of Nakamura versus Rollins is incredibly intriguing to me. Ooh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but for us, because we enjoy good wrestling, you know what I mean? Right. Um, after Survivor Series, Nakamura will be back to being on the show once every three months. Right. Bummer, bummer that Ty Dillinger broke his hand and we were robbed of that. Is uh, that why he's not in that program? Yeah, yeah, he broke his hand. That fucking sucks. Which is such such weird foreshadowing when you think of the fact that Randy Orton did that whole gimmick where he crushed his hand in the ring steps. Yeah. Now he actually really broke his hand. Bandit right. the ring post. All right, guys, time to make like Sonny swallow deep because we're going to talk about Crown Jewel. We're going to run through Crown Jewel's card. It's, of course, coming up on Friday as we record this on Thursday night. It is tomorrow. Uh, I think most of us have uh, said to this point we're not going to watch the show. Uh, that doesn't stop us from uh, commenting on what we think is going to happen, uh, our personal objections to the fact that they're doing this show and, and everything that's gone on around it notwithstanding. Uh, we can take a little bit of a step back here and discuss the card as it is and, and you know, sort of say what we think will happen uh there's one little change we need to make here Uh, okay uh but let's start from the world cup to determine the best in the world i don't troy has written this fucking thing out and i'm not 100 percent sure what the fuck this is but uh we know the first round matches will feature seth rollins versus bobby lashley uh, Troy is going with Bobby Lashley. Uh, Sal, who are you going with? Um, uh, Seth. And, uh, Jeff? Second the notion. All right. And I am going to go with Seth as well. Uh, Lashley we know is working hurt with some sort of a separated shoulder. Seth seems like the guy most poised in this tournament to wrestle multiple times on the same show. Um, so I'm going to go with him. Uh, I don't know if Ambrose is flying out, though. If Ambrose flies out, then there's definitely the chance that he gets involved and costs out the match. Uh, but just looking at this, if I had to put money on it, I'm going with Seth Rollins to win 
that matchup. Uh, that leads us to Kurt Angle versus Dolph Ziggler. Troy is going with Kurt Angle. Sal, what say you? If Seth's going to win against Bobby Lashley, then Ziggler's going to win against Kurt Angle. All right, and Jeff? Kurt Angle. Jeff is going with Kurt Angle. I am going to also go with Kurt Angle, and I think we may get the dream match because I think Kurt only has a few op- few of these matches left, and I think Seth is on the list of guys he wants to work with, and uh, Dolph might be too, for all I know. But I'm going to say it's Saudi Arabia. It's a non sequitur. I think we get I think we get Seth Rollins and Kurt Angle. Of course, we would get Seth Rollins and Kurt Angle on a show. I'm not going to watch. <laughs> uh, Jeff Hardy versus The Miz on the SmackDown side of the bracket. Uh, Troy going with The Miz. Jeff, who are you going with? Uh, Sal, who are you going with? I'm going with Miz. Miz, okay. Sal going with Miz. Jeff, you got a pick? Yeah, I'll go Miz, too. All right, Jeff going with the Miz as well. I'm going to be the turd in the punch bowl here. I'm going to go with Jeff Hardy. Uh, I think Randy Orton and Jeff Hardy are both going to win, and we're going to continue sort of that program. Uh, because largely because, well, we'll get into it in the next match, but I'm going Jeff Hardy here. Uh, which brings us to our next one, which is Rey Mysterio versus Randy Orton. Troy going with Rey Mysterio. Sal? I'm going with Orton, man. As a surprise. Heel versus heel in that semifinal. Jeff? Rey Mysterio. All right, Jeff going with Mysterio. I am going to go with randy orton for the simple reason that i don't buy into the notion that Rey mysterio is wrestling multiple times in a night at this point in his career yep absolutely it's kind of where i was going with the kurt angle thing too so well, i think 38 i think kurt angle's gonna try yeah but randy orton's not coming off knee surgery either uh right. <laughs> i'm gonna go that's gonna bring us to the mm-hmm. next match in that series uh there's a lot of shit here uh in my particular case this is hard to fucking predict. Uh, in my particular case, it's going to be Kurt. I was going to say because it's hard to read. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what we were going for here. Um, so, based on my you picks, Kurt Seth, Seth yeah, it would be Kurt Angle versus Seth Rollins in my picks. Uh, in that scenario, I am going with Seth Rollins to continue to run through this thing. Uh, let's see. Sal, you had Seth Rollins versus Dolph Ziggler. Seth. All right, so we're both back at Seth. Uh, Jeff, you had Kurt Angle versus Seth Rollins as well. Uh, I'm going to go Seth. All right, so we're all we're all agreement that Seth is making the finals for the Raw side of this bracket. Seth, uh, Seth, Seth. Yes. <laughs> That'll bring us to the SmackDown side of the bracket where I have Jeff Hardy versus Randy Orton. I'm going to go Randy Orton to win that match. Uh, you guys varied for me a little bit. You have the uh, – sorry, Sal, you have The Miz versus Randy Orton. The Viper. The Viper, Randy Orton. And Jeff, you have The Miz versus Rey Mysterio. The Miz. The Miz. So uh, two of us have Orton versus uh, Rollins. Jeff, as the only one that has Rollins versus The Miz, who you got in the finals? Uh, I got The Miz Okay, with, so with some interference from Dean Ambrose. All right, so Jeff has The Miz being the World Cup to determine the best in the world winner. Uh, Sal, you as well as I have Seth Rollins versus 
Uh, who do we have? Seth Rollins versus Randy Orton. Uh, who do you got winning the finals? In a match that will be better than their WrestleMania 31 match, I say Seth. And I am going to agree with you. I think this is the spot where, first off, like I said, I think a SmackDown guy, SmackDown's going to lose. To I don't think they introduced the angle they introduced on SmackDown unless it's for a reason. In this case, I think that reason is that they're going to move someone over to Raw. And in order to do that, a Raw guy has to win this tournament. And I think Seth Rollins gets the push as the best in the world because that's sort of how they've been going with his character anyway. Uh, so I'm going to say Seth Rollins wins the whole thing as well. So Sal and I both have Seth winning the whole thing. And Jeff has the Miz winning the whole thing. So there On we go. a side note, if Seth wins the whole thing and they declare him as the best in the world, is that a slap in the face to Kenny Omega done by the WWE? Probably. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm surprised. Um, I, I have no idea. So, so, Troy, if you're listening to this after we've recorded it, feel free to go in and update this sheet. And I can't make heads or tails of what you wrote here. So, uh, Troy to... has Mysterio over Lashley in his finals. Okay. So take That's our right. predictions and plug them in however you see fit. Uh, SmackDown tag team titles, The Bar versus The New Day. Uh, Troy going with The Bar. I myself will also go with The Bar. I don't think there was any reason to do that title change if you're going to switch it right back at this point. Uh, Sal, who you got? Is it the big bar or the bar show at this point? I have no idea. Considering their association with their third member of the big show, uh, bar. The big bar. And Jeff. The bar show. All the right, bar show. <laughs> a clean sweep on that one. Degeneration X returns to take on the Brothers of Destruction. Uh, Troy going with Degeneration X. Sal, who you got? I got 1997. <laughs> uh, I guess DX in a who cares match. All right, Jeff. Got the brothers depends. All right. <laughs> and I myself am gonna go with Kane and the Undertaker strictly because uh, Undertaker did the job for Hunter in Australia, so I think they return the favor here. So Michaels loses the first match he comes out of. He doesn't have to take the pin. He doesn't have to take the pin. So the game gets pinned? Yes. Yep. Yep. I don't see Roman on the other side of that card. No, but he'll do the job for the taker. True. AJ Styles defends the WWE Championship against Samoa Joe as a result. Wait, of... wait, wait, wait. Nope. Joe Joe just canceled. He said, <laughs> says he's got to wash his hair. Um, <laughs> looks like it's going to be... Uh, Tegan Knox versus Tegan AJ Knox Styles. Tegan versus AJ Styles. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe. Troy I, Troy was going with AJ Styles when it was AJ Styles versus Daniel Bryan, so I'm going to guess he hasn't changed that opinion. Uh, Sal, what say you? <sighs> My mind's telling me AJ. All right, it's got to be Styles to retain. All right, and Jeff? 17th times the charm, Samoa Joe. <laughs> that was exactly my logic, Jeff. Eventually, I have, if I've picked Samoa Joe like every time, I think eventually it has to be right. So I'm going to go Samoa yep. Joe one more time. I think I'm going to be completely wrong. I'm pretty sure AJ Styles is retaining the title. But just for the well. sake of consistency, I'm going with Samoa Joe. That leads us to the Universal. Every fucking time. <laughs> 
<laughs> that leads us to the Universal Championship match where we are going to crown a new champion, Brock Lesnar versus Braun Strowman. I have a feeling this is going to be a clean sweep, but let's double check. I and Troy both have Braun Strowman going over here, although I've got to say it wouldn't entirely shock me if they've worked out a deal with Lesnar in the wake of Roman's absence, and this is a giant swerve because it looks so obvious that it's going to be Brock, it's going to be Braun Strowman that Brock Lesnar walks out with the title, but I'm putting my smart money on Braun Strowman. Sal, where are you going? It is nice that they uh, continue some of the old traditions where the winner of the Royal Rumble gets a title shot at the next pay-per-view. <laughs> and for that reason, I will say Braun Strowman becomes the new Universal Champion. Jeff, are you going to make it a clean sweep? Lesnar. All right. Jeff just likes to be contrarian. That's all. <laughs> yes. I was going to say au contraire. All right, so Jeff, the only one going with Lesnar, and I guess we'll see how this plays out. Well, we won't see it because we won't watch it, but we will read the results, and we'll talk about it next week. Do not expect in-depth match analysis from the show next week on Crown Jewel because we won't be watching it. Uh, but we will. But discuss. if Lesnar wins, do you think they riot? I don't know. No, they don't even fucking know who he is. I'm pretty well, sure he's white. They, I, so that's all that matters. I'm pretty sure if they show Renee Young, they might riot. But that's another day. The question for another day. It's now time. Oh, oh and they'll fucking party. It is now time for our independent dates, and we got a short shelf life on this thing this week. We only got a couple. So Sal, why don't you kick us off? I'd be happy to. Liberty States Wrestling returns to the John McCarthy Elementary School on Saturday, November 10th, for Fall Fury. The card so far, main event, Liberty States Heavyweight Championship. The selfie-made man, Vern Vicalo, defends against the unequaled one, Todd Sobel. Liberty oh, I should have let Jeff do this, read. Anyway, go ahead. You should have. <laughs> Leave Todd Sobel alone. Liberty States No Limit Championship. The Punjabi Lion, Robo, who I just saw wrestle at Chaotic, he's very good, defends against the fabulous Johnny Vegas. Liberty States Tag Team Championships as the Main Street Posse. I also saw them. Main State defend- Posse. Main State Posse defends against the debuting Insanely Rude. Insanely Rude. Yes. Singles match with Setherin with Vanity Vixen versus Top Shelf Troy Nelson. Another match with Brett Domino versus Nico Silva. Also appearing Chris James and many more. Tickets are just $10 general admission. Doors open at 6.30 with a bell time of 7. This is a family-friendly event, so bring the whole family. Speaking of things that aren't family-friendly events, Jeff, what's going up in what's going on up in Wisconsin? You're making me do this shit again. Yep. God damn it! You got a fireball for me? <laughs> <laughs> Sunday, November 18th, ICW returns to the La Pica Lounge, making his ICW return at Violence Is the Answer, the Necro Butcher, also known as the Woman Beater. Necro will be the special guest ref for Oren Veet versus Dale Patrick's. We will also have a very special Q&A meet and greet for Necro fans. The Choose Death VIP package includes pizza and beers with the Necro Butcher. 1 p.m. to 3 p.m., all ticket holders will get one beer and one piece of pizza, plus photos and autographs with Necro and a one-hour Q&A where you can chat up one of the greatest dudes in deathmatch history. This is limited to 25 tickets. The Choose Death VIP ringside package upgrade is $40. The ringside VIP, $25, which is sold out. The second row VIP is $25. The third row VIP is $25. The general admission VIP is $25. And the general admission is $20. Again, I'm not sure the math checks out on this. (laughs) Yeah, there is a difference in those prices somewhere. 
Um, all VIP ticket holders will get three bonus matches from 3 to 3.30. That is right. It's a half hour, folks. Uh, three bonus ice- matches in a half hour. That's a that's like 10 hey, minutes a match, some- including intros. Yep. Rapid fire <laughs> matches. Pre-order the ICW Choose Death One Night Only Limited T-shirt for November. Two huge, ultra-insane death matches headlined this night of bloodshed weapons and title defenses. Every match will have a stipulation. Get your holiday hardcore fix with ICW. The main event is the death match stipulation is to be announced. ICW alternative title match, Insane 8 winner versus LOA winner. Dark Prophet, Oren Veet, who is the champion, will def- be defending against pro wrestling's jackass, Dale Patricks. The first time ever in ICW, the Frozen Tundra match. Number one contenders match alternative title, the Plaguebringer Marcus Crane versus Dysfunction. The Frozen Tundra match is, yes, I am not lying, has pits of dry ice in the corners. The winner challenges the ICW alternative champion in December at ICW in Insane Chris or Insane Xmas party. First Blood rematch, one year in the making. Fable One Aesop Mitchell versus Derek St. Holmes Esquire. The ICW World Title Casket match. GQ Gianos versus Todd Sobel is in there, is he? Versus Joey Jet Avalon, who is the champion. Is Todd Sobel really in there? I don't even know. <laughs> oh, no, I don't think so. Oh, all right. Well, he's in there now. <laughs> ICW Midwest title match. Adam Grace versus the Marman Mario Cravello versus Stacy Shadows versus the mystery talent who is yet to be announced. I'm Fans guessing it's the- uh, Gangrel. No, it's definitely Todd Sobel. No, Gangrel was on SmackDown this week. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> Fans bring the weapons match. Psycho Chase McCoy versus Kato, 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 Kato. Uh, ICW tag team title War Gauntlet. The Foley Brothers versus Shoots and Wanderers with Val Malone versus Bear Kingdom versus Caribbean Connection versus Just Saying. The Random Rubble. Rumble. Rubble. Rumble. Rumble. Fifteen ICW wrestlers do battle for a future title shot. World title excluded. Featuring Resort Life, Hot Topic Tyler Baggins, Tyler Sullivan, plus a numerous amount of surprise entrants. Including other Tylers. Yeah, probably. VIP bonus matches, four-way elimination match, Sierra. These are the ones I think they're going to happen in the uh, in a half hour, right? The four-way uh, elimination match you get ten minutes to. Holy shit! Not even. See, because you got to have a lot added to the last match. Sierra versus Swagman, Jared Jacks versus Doc Simmons versus Riley Jackson, Zach McGuire versus Jack Blackwell with Mrs. Hatred. And a dildo on a pole match. Kylo <laughs> Kyle Pro versus JDX. You know the ticket price. Well, you got to tune in, bring your fucking rain jackets, and hope you don't get AIDS. All I know is that dildo on a pole match, someone's getting fucked. That's going to do it for the rundown for Thursday, November 1st. It has been two months since Troy appeared on back-to-back episodes of the rundown. You can check... <laughs> You can check us out on Twitter at Rundown Podcast. Go to Facebook.com slash Rundown Wrestling. Email the show at RundownWrestling at gmail.com. Or please leave us a voicemail like Adam did at 617-863-6967. That is 61Rundown7. We are now on Patreon. Head on over to Patreon.com slash Rundown Wrestling to become a patron. We have two reward levels, both of which have very cool uh, bonuses. 
including the exclusive access to some of the shows on there, such as Troy's uh, Maybe Young Classic reviews, I believe, uh, a couple more things Troy's got in the works for that. Uh, Adam does a crapshoot once in a while when he's not working. Um, also, all patrons receive early access to the shows on the Rundown feed whenever possible. Listen to our Not friends. to mention Troy's newest show, A Spot of NXT, which oh, yes. reviews NXT UK. Absolutely. I'm going to be on the next one. Yay. Yes, he is. Absolutely. Listen to our friends, the Kingpin, Brian Malone, and Mike Crockett on the Wrestling Podcast about nothing with new podcasts every Monday. You can check them out at facebook.com slash thewpan or at thewpan.com. Also, check out Justin Michaels and his show, Yesterland Waltz on Tough TV. If it hasn't been canceled yet, I haven't checked in a while. Go to toughtv.com to stream it live. Stay tuned to the Rundown Wrestling Podcast to hear promises that we will bring back other shows like NXT <laughs> Revisited, the Rundown Sit Down, the Nitromania Podcast, Glow Stick, and WrestleMania Salvation. Follow our hosts on Twitter at jstuart0920, that is J-S-T-U-A-R-T-0920, at Rockstar Troy. at Salvation WrestleMania, at Guy Who... Ref- uh, this is, yeah, this is already done. Uh, at guy who can't be on the show because he's got company at canceled rundown show at Johnny Analog at Joker's Wild WYLD702 and at Harry Twatter. Thanks! Oh, that's, that's my new one. Oh, sorry. At Hurry Up Cruisers. Thank you. Is that for That is actually his twin. <laughs> do, do you, do you want to break, do you want to make your announcement now official or? There is going to be a new show coming out called Hurry Up Cruiserweights. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to be releasing shows weekly about the 205 Live. So tune in. All right. Well, nobody's tuning in to 205 Live, so hopefully they'll get their recaps directly from GF uh, and at Harry Twatter. Thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks to Sal and Jeff. And uh, also, WrestleMania Salvation coming back with a new episode in a couple weeks. We will, I will review WrestleMania 20 and talk about a guy who doesn't exist who won the world title. Do you, do you have a Twitter for that show? Yeah, at WrestleMania Sale. Oh, okay. You should really put that on this list. Thanks. <laughs> to myself for our theme song. Next week, we are going to sort of talk about Crown Jewel, maybe? I mean, I'll probably watch highlights. Still better than Raw. And it's an odd week, so Troy should be here. So that means we will see you next Thursday. Bye-bye. Bye. You just stole his... You both stole Troy's... No. no I do it in bye, bye. Yeah. I said bye. Come I on. said one bye. That's not two byes. Oh, God. see you next Thursday was your original gimmick. Tune into my fucking Hurry Up Cruiserweights, because... Because it's going to be really good, and Jeff brings all the personality and charisma in the world. Not to put pressure on you. Perfect, Ben. Oh, Rundown Wrestling Podcast was created by Adam Salzer to fund his addiction to overpriced shitty video games and was eventually sold to GameStop and resold (laughs) to Jason Stewart and Troy Bozen for six times the amount Adam sold it for. It is produced and edited by the guy who stands a little too close to you in line at the movies and smells like dried semen. Uh, this episode was hosted by Magnum Dong, Jason Stewart, Mammoth Cock, Jeff Mayhew, and Sal. We are a member of the Questionable Never Network. 
which much like the WWE doesn't allow women to perform. <laughs> Check out all of our other shows at questonetwork.com before Andy murders his hosts and dresses up as them to escape out the back door of the consulate. And uh-huh. tune in next week for an all-new episode of the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. <laughs>